Hey guys, welcome to the Great Cave. It's your man's Kovu, Monty here. What up, Monty? What up, what up? How's it going? It's going pretty good, man. Well, kind of, right? Because, like, I'm just gonna come clean, bro. G Herbo is one of my favorite rappers from Chicago. If there was, if there was rappers, like a top three, top five list of rappers that came out of Chicago that I really like, just as a personality, not even just music, but just like how, how they conduct themselves, G Herbo would be one of them. And we got some bad news about G Herbo, but we're, you know, we're going to get into that. However, um, I want to start, I want to start giving you guys like a, like an overview before we like dive in. So you guys can know, you know, know what we're going to touch on. So uh, today we're going to touch on, um, well, this, this, 2020 is going out with a bang when it comes to artists like there's a lot of artists getting in uh into a lot of legal trouble specifically the fbi the fbi has been very active in um trying to get rappers the fuck out of here uh and if you look up their their winning their winning percentage it's like 90 it's like 97.9 percent like uh a conviction rate well most of them most fbi cases in in plea agreements but the ones that go to trial it's over 90% that the FBI will win. And they're the type to sit there and wait. Like they'll gather evidence. So they'll they'll let you do what you do. You know, if it's criminal, if it's criminal activity, they'll just wait and stack evidence and recordings and stuff like that. They did the same thing with 6ix9ine. They did the same thing with Bobby Smurder. So we're really gonna dive deep into like uh, what the FBI has been doing and what, what this means for hip hop on top of the fact that a lot of rappers have been dying. Like this has been a very sad year. We're also gonna talk about, um, you know, Meek Mill. Uh, McMill's record label and and the offer that he uh, offered an artist that's a lot of people are calling extremely low and almost uh uh what do you call it uh insulting right yeah yeah insulting that yeah for lack of better words insulting mm -hmm. I I had a word in my head but yeah insulting works um and then there's the uh, Meek Mill giving giving twenty dollars away to Atlanta kids that's a light lighter topic then there's a uh, one one that I'm very like kind of eager to talk about but also heartbroken to talk about which is artists artists scamming artists like established artists scamming artists artists that are up and coming i cannot stand people that prey on like artists dreams or any creator's dreams you know you can be a youtuber or whatever um that's that that's one um that's a big one uh number four would be like chance the rapper's ex-manager suing him for uh for the for his latest album which was panned and, and critically like shat on collectively by like a lot of critics um number five would be like scotty pippen told michael jordan that he didn't like the last dance documentary which is interesting because that documentary was awesome to us but we weren't we weren't in the documentary painted a certain way so of course we, we would we would enjoy it um and then six monty told me that there's monoliths appearing all like all over the world or whatever that that's that's weird and, yeah, we're gonna uh, go ahead, go that dig dive into the more of the mysterious parts of the world, you know. Mm -hmm. All the aliens and UFOs. I, I've been I've been looking forward to get into the you know the UFO talk that we've been putting off, you know, for a long time. Right, right, right. And then the last one, um, before we get into what we've been watching, we're gonna talk about a former Israeli space security chief saying that he's been in contact the u.s and israel's been in contact with a galactic alien federation or something something like that, that <laughs> that's wild bro that's wild so yeah man that, that's pretty much what we're going to be talking about today and uh figured we'd give you an overview so monty which one of these are we going to 
uh, hop on first? Which topic? We definitely have to talk about all the all the rappers getting in trouble, man. Because I know just just now that we found out that a boogie is part of that part of the news also. Yeah, so let's let's touch on a boogie with the hoodie first. Um, I and literally I just found this out, guys. Before like maybe five minutes before we press record press record on this podcast. So um, it's it's. Sad news just by the headline. So the headline says a boogie, a boogie with the hoodie arrested on gun and drug charges in New Jersey. Um, <clears throat> in my home state, man. Damn. Um, so he just turned 25 years old on Sunday, December 6th, and was charged with one count of unlawful possession of a handgun and one count of possession of marijuana. Oh, I hate that. The, the marijuana, I'm not even. Okay, at least it ain't and like. So- you know, the crazy part. <laughs> New yeah. Jersey just voted on making uh, marijuana legal just on the no, in November. But the thing is, you cannot, you know, if you get caught still now, you, you are still in trouble because it does not go in effect until until the new year. And, you know, that's that's crazy part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me, me and one of my um, me and this lady named Megan, we were talking about this and uh, she recently got in, uh, in trouble with the with, with weed. And we were talking about like how laws can change, but not retroactively uh, free the people that got in trouble with it. So, and I, I think it's kind of silly, Monty. Like if you're in, if you're in prison for, especially during COVID, if you're in prison for a nonviolent marijuana charge and it's voted that marijuana is like legal, uh, legal or decriminalized, um, I think you should free those people, <laughs> you know? Uh, absolutely, you know, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, but at the end of the day, states want money and, they put people on probation and diversion uh, to, to to siphon money away from them because it costs to do uh, to go through that program, those programs. But anyway, it says the arrest came after law enforcement executed a search warrant at Dearest, New Jersey residence on Monday, December 7th. The warrant stems from an alleged shooting that took place Sunday night outside of Rain Nightclub in T-Neck, where, uh, New Jersey, where a boogie was celebrating his birthday. In um, a video posted to social media, a man a man claimed members of A Boogie's team rear-ended his Mercedes Benz that was parked outside of the club. But just as they were about to exchange insurance information, a fight broke out and gunshots followed. Detectives ended up seizing four weapons from A Boogie's home, in addition to high-capacity magazines, marijuana, hash, hash, hashish oil, edibles, and various drug paraphernalia commonly associated with the distribution of controlled dangerous substances. Uh, commonly associated with this. Uh, a Boogie's not selling drugs. I hope he ain't. I, that wouldn't make any sense to me. But all right, so the Bronx bred rapper, security guard, uh, and 27-year-old personal manager were also both arrested after searches of the home. More marijuana was reportedly discovered after going through Camara's uh, Bourbonfield, New Jersey residence. Um, the guns discovered at A Boogie's home included one Ruger, one th- uh, 380 handgun, a Glock, a 40 caliber handgun, and a HK 9mm handgun, and a Smith & Wesson 9mm handgun. All three were released from jail on their own recognizance and awaiting court dates. So that, ladies and gentlemen, is A Boogie's case. Um, and so the warrant came from, you know, uh, gunshots inside of a club. Uh, yeah, shoot, uh, alleged shooting that took place. Sunday outside of a nightclub, um, man. So basically, the charges could be upgraded to like a aggravated aggravated assault if 
they can somehow point the finger at a boogie like, yo, you did this, or the person that did this was under your leadership or whatever. But I don't know if they're going to be able to prove that. And uh, um, I'm hoping that didn't even happen. But in terms of uh, gun charges in New Jersey, Monty, I'm not not sure what that like what that equals out to in terms of facing a certain amount of time, right? Like they could give him like probation or something, but when Little Wayne back in 2007 got caught with a gun in New York, he had to, he, he was sentenced to a year in jail. Yeah, yeah. New, you know, Pennsylvania, I think Pennsylvania is a little very much looser, but New Jersey and New York, we are very tough on guns and you don't want to be caught with a gun around these parts. Damn. All right. Well, we'll got we'll keep you updated on um a boogie situation, guys. Uh, I, yeah, I, but w- what is he doing? You having parties, man? Uh, th- see, that's what happens when you have just bad people around you, just bad influence. So it's hard for me to find you know sympathies for him getting in trouble. Cause come on, man, <laughs> why would you want to throw a party when the the virus is going on? You know, especially yeah. with all the commotion. To be honest, a lot of a lot of artists are doing that. I think Lil Baby just threw a very, very extravagant party. And it was reported that James Harden, the basketball player, bought him a five hundred thousand dollar watch. Um, it seems like and I've been seeing battle rappers, because guys I watch battle rap, I've been seeing uh K Sean in the studio and there was a bunch of people there and not one mask in sight. So it, it does seem like Monty rappers don't give a fuck about uh, coronavirus to the point where it will stop them from going out or whatever. Um, yeah, they don't know what's uh, regular people going through, man. You know, people are losing their businesses and just because of the uh, virus restrictions and, you know, all the people are still getting COVID at a, at a large amount, like every day people are dying every day, but you know, it, it, it doesn't exist to a lot of people, you know, they are, are they so pent up with, uh, just being, being home inside. They just want to throw something big for a day and thinking, you know, they probably have the fuck it attitude or they don't really think they're going to get anything. See, that's what happens, man. Now, now you're in fucking jail. <laughs> you know, see, that's yeah. what happens. So you just yeah. got to, you just got to, just got to compose yourself around these times. Yeah, you got to, you got to, just got to move smart, man. Um, And like, I, I get it. It's frustrating when you get into a wreck. It is frustrating when you get into a wreck. But according to the article I read, it says uh, a man claimed members of A Boogie's team were ended him, right? And they were about to exchange information, but somehow it went from exchanging insurance information to a fight and then gunshots. <laughs> like, that's a big escalation, right? Like, I don't know how it even got to a fight, but unless somebody feels... Most, like, most likely drugs were involved, you know? Probably mm. high or under the influence. That's true, bro. Judgment is impaired when you're under... Uh, uh, it could be whatever amount of it could be anything really. Uh, marijuana, I would say, is more on the chill, chill side of the spectrum. But if you're on like I don't know, perks, Xanax, or whatever, yeah, I can see that your judgment can be impaired uh, if you get frustrated easier. Matter of fact, rappers rap about this. Rapper, rappers rap about giving shooters like prescription drugs because it's easier on them to like go and shoot somebody or kill somebody. Um, so. I don't know, but but back to the situation. Um, yeah, man, it's it's concerning. Monty, I get your point. Like, yo, what are what are they doing partying anyway? But hey, they're they're just living life the way they see fit. I'm not as concerned about that, but I'm I'm more concerned about 
just how 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 he's moving like like this shouldn't have happened this this shouldn't have happened and if 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 somebody is carrying a gun around you they should be like legal you know uh, have have a license to carry basically um yeah they should have a license to carry if if they're going to be moving like that but you know easy for me to say i guess everybody um makes mistakes and stuff like that so i hope a boogie situation turns out well i still feel like in the grand scheme of things with this whole fbi thing this is actually on the possibly on the lighter side because we got to get into casanova and g herbo and, and that's federal um and the fbi it seems like they don't miss bro it seems especially when it comes to rappers i think they're they're their record when it comes to rappers, the FBI is like uh, like 100 and zero, you know, zero losses, wins on wins on wins. Um, but which one should we touch on first, Monty, or Casanova or G Herbo? I think we could start off with Casanova. Okay. So specifically with Casanova, Casanova's case is, uh, is interesting because, well, First off, the FBI took to Twitter and said, hey, we're looking for Caswell, a.k.a. Casanova, and that shocked everybody. But uh, it says, uh, the rapper Casanova remained in federal custody Thursday after surrendering, surrendering to law enforcement in a gang-related federal racketeering case. Uh, the rapper's legal name, Caswell, was charged in an indictment unsealed this week against 18 members of the untouchable Gorilla Stone Nation gang, which authorities say operated in New York City and other parts of, of, New, of the New York State. The gang is charged with a litany of crimes, including the killing in September of a 15-year-old boy uh, and defrauding programs meant for people suffering economic hardship because of the pandemic. The charges stemmed in part from six wiretaps involving the gang. Yeah, involving the gang, prosecutors said. Um, Casanova turned himself into the FBI late Wednesday. He pleaded not guilty Thursday. To charges of conspiracy to commit racketeering, conspiracy to distribute controlled substances, and firearms possession. He is not charged with the killing of that child. Um, and I, I'll read this quote uh, from the acting U.S. attorney in Manhattan. Uh, he said, "Quote: Members of the Gorilla Gang, <clears throat> members of Gorilla Stone committed terrible acts of violence, trafficked in narcotics, and even engaged in brazen fraud by exploiting benefits benefit programs meant to provide assistance in response to the COVID-19 pandemic." Um, yeah, that's, that's pretty much what it is. Uh, somebody said, um, hold on, Coronas? I don't know how, I don't know his name. I, I'm assuming this is, yeah, this is a defense attorney. His defense attorney said Casanova had been painted with a broad brush of conspiratorial conduct. He expects to be exonerated. He denies any of the charges to the extent we can even understand them. Here's a man who surrendered in a case for which he looking at life in prison, which is consistent with the act of an innocent man. <laughs> uh, that's interesting. You know, so apparently, Monty, if you turn yourself in, that, that's consistent with the act of an innocent man. Uh, I, I don't know if I would go that far. I'm just speaking in general. I don't know about Casanova, but like you know, people will turn themselves in, um, even if they are guilty, because the alternative is you get in more trouble. You get more time yeah. and stuff like that. So uh, everybody's not Tay K. We all know the Tay K story where uh, he was wanted and he made a song called The Race and he stood right next to his wanted poster in the video. Everybody's not Tay K, you know? Um, and I know street niggas that, that have turned themselves in and uh, 
you know, did what they did. But regardless of that, Monty, um, yeah, they probably talked, talked, talked with their lawyers. You know, they probably advised them if you turn yourself in now, you're gonna have an easier time in court and all that. Yeah, yeah, I think any lawyer would tell you like, yo, you should probably, you should probably turn yourself in instead of. Like, yeah, I think any sane lawyer would, accept if yeah. you're like better call, you know, better call Saul, Saul Goodman. <laughs> Shout out Saul Goodman, man. Shout out the Breaking Bad universe. Yeah. He would find a way to get you out, man. He would find a way to get you out of trouble. He's one of those lawyers, bro, that that ethically and morally is questionable, but his skill set in getting criminals off was crazy. And I I think every rapper, everybody will want a lawyer like that if you're guilty. (laughs) If you're guilty. So I'm not saying these rappers are guilty, but you get what I'm saying. But um, yeah, so it seems like a a Rico charge. So Monty, um, here's the thing. So Casanova may not have been doing these acts himself, but he's, uh, 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 how do I say this? He's allegedly in this gang, right? And there's the whole RICO charges, where it's like, if you're part of a collective that does all these cr- crimes, you're going to be swept up with them because you were oh, like, yeah. in that gang. So, so it's, like, it's like mm-hmm. guilt by associ- association, pretty much. Right, right. Which, I, which I, I can't really get with that, right? Because Kendrick Lamar, for instance, let's say, like Kendrick Lamar hung out with the with with, with the J Rocks or or gang members. He he raps about it. Good Kid, Mad City. He has a song called "The Art of Peer Pressure." I wait for somebody like Kendrick Lamar to get in trouble for something that he may have not have done, but just because he hangs out with them. However, this is the FBI we're talking about. So in this case, they probably it seems like they're confident in the evidence that they have that maybe Casanova was was more than just hanging out or talking to him. Or uh, not even that. They probably you know they probably want information from him. You know, use them as a pawn to get to the, the bigger, the bigger targets that they have probably. Yeah, because he's been charged with racketeering, and conspiracy to distribute controlled substances and firearms possession. He is not charged with killing the child, so they ain't got him on killing the child that was 15 years old. Rest in peace to him. Um, man, if but, that's true, man, that, that's some, that's some something that's hard to come back from morally. Yeah, man. It's like, how do you live with yourself after that? But I don't know, man. It's 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 sad. I'm not gonna lie, bro, Monty. A lot of these 15 year olds out here in, in the streets, there uh, there's some 15 year old assassins out here. There are some 15 year old like street dudes that 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 are impressionable that get into that life, and before you know it, their their repercussions are one that a grown man would face because they're out in the streets. But I'm not saying, I don't know this 15-year-old kid, but I'm just saying there are there are a lot of 15-year-old kids out here. Like like in Chicago, we know that uh, Tuka died. There's a lot of young Chicago artists like Chief Keef and all of them. They have friends that died. And here we are five, six years later, you got them dissing each other's dead homies. But when you stop and realize like, bro, that dude was 14 when he died, 15 when he died. But they were also quote unquote savages as well. Um, but Stand on, but 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 stand on topic though, uh, yeah, bro. It's like Casanova. He's he's not the most mainstream person. Matter of fact, he went on a on the Breakfast Club and said when Six Nine was popping, he was blackballed because Casanova and Six Nine had beef. Matter of fact, there was a shooting outside of the Barclays Center, and uh, it's I think their entourages got into it. This was when Six Nine was protected by by Bloods and Casanova, you know, I guess by the Gorilla Street Gang, Stone, whatever whatever the, the gang was called. Um, let's just say Gorilla Gang. They got into it, right? But Casanova said like he couldn't perform at, at certain clubs. People didn't want to talk to him because of Six Nine. 
and and not necessarily because they morally agreed with six nine, but because six nine was the bigger artist. So Casanova swore that he was blackballed. However, six nine and Casanova did end up squashing their beef, from what I heard. And Casanova started, you know, being um, becoming more relevant. He was putting out just songs or whatever. And so it's it would surprise me if he was really trying to distribute controlled substances. But later on, we're going to talk about how COVID has affected the the financial. Uh, uh, stability of a lot of rappers, but again, I would still be surprised if they if they go as far as like distributing controlled substances. Like that's some that's some drug dealer shit. That's something that you wouldn't expect a famous rapper to do. Um, but I don't know. I guess we got to keep an eye on it. I I'm just looking at that that percentage of FBI cases that like you have like less than three percent of a chance to beat the FBI generally, right? And so he's facing life in prison. It seems. Um, but hey man isn't it weird how all the you know you know it's been happening for a long time but a lot of these rappers are getting in trouble or being charged you know right when six nine got out of jail Ooh, opening up the floodgates huh hey man i'm about to go into the (laughs) you know the controversial conspiracy territory and i'm gonna drop him man i think i think six nine is a cia plant or an FBI agent. I don't. I don't know, man. He's definitely working with the government somehow. Uh, <laughs> hey, man. Um, that's my. That's my hot take, man. Hot, hot dumb, uh, controversial take. Well, I, I will say. So, bringing it into the world of of the facts, Takashi Six Nine did testify on uh, the kidnapping, which we know that. But some of you guys may not know that he also testified on Jim Jones and Cardi B. And and yeah. said that they were in 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 a uh, in the blood gang or whatever, which they didn't appreciate that. As a matter of fact, there was a leaked call of Jim Jones talking to some somebody, like uh, assuming a gang member, saying like, "Yo, we need to violate six nine or whatever." So, uh, yeah, man, <laughs> even King Von, King Von, in one of his songs, he said, "They know King Von a demon." Six nine, he say he synced it, like whatever King Von just did. Apparently, yeah. like he's making fun that like oh six nine even knows that i'm a demon so um like it's crazy I'm, to me because you know uh just four years you know everybody thought six nine is gonna be jail and for a long time and it was like it was like pretty much confirmed he was gonna be in jail for a long time yeah. it was it was so you know everybody was sure so sure that uh i think you know Charlemagne even bet <laughs> some ridiculous shit that if you know if six nine was released, I, I even forgot what his bet was, but bro, I think it was some gay something shit, ridiculous. Bro. I think it was some gay shit that he said. Yeah. <laughs> I can't remember. Uh, uh, yeah, I think it was some wild gay shit, and that's how confident he was. But uh, yeah, bro, it's, it just six seems crazy, you know. He's out in the streets now. Six just, nine allegedly paid cool. somebody to shoot at Chief Keith, and he didn't even serve two years, bro. That is wild to me, like. I mean, but he brought down a whole gang, right? So the FBI is looking at it like it's, it's leverage. It's that does not really up. seem enough, you know, to me. That seems too low for him. I mean, not Pan- even though he probably bought down a gang, I feel like they probably want a little more from him. Oh, like like a continuous thing? Like, yeah, like, yeah. Even after, like, while he's out, like, he's actually, he could actually still be an informant right now i'm just i'm just theorizing man you know if you (laughs) you probably look at it logically you know this probably just not true but you know uh, on this show you know we love to just theorize and think what might be what might be happening or what might not yeah all i know is that the fbi they seem particularly emboldened like 
I wonder how clout works with the FBI. Like when they when they get these high profile cases, I think it it looks well upon their organization. I don't know if they get more money from from the government or whatever, but these high profile cases do bring a lot of clout to the FBI. Um, yeah. And um, we're gonna we're gonna go into G Herbo now, um, which is the one like like Casanova. I I knew of him. I knew that he was a street dude. Uh, also, wait, Monty, there was the Vlad situation with Casanova. So wait, before we go into G Herbo's situation, uh, if you if you guys know of DJ Vlad, DJ Vlad is a inner uh, a dude with a YouTube channel where he interviews majority black people about like gang affiliations, shootings, past criminal lifestyle. Uh, he often asks them like, would they ever snitch? And they would often say no. And then Vlad will give a scenario like, oh, what if your, what if your mom got killed and the killer, you knew who it was, but the killer was like on his way out the country, would you snitch? Or what if the, what if your next door neighbor was raping a little kid? Um, I'm sorry for that imagery, but Vlad, Vlad That's will That's a good question though. That's a really good question. Uh, uh, if you just look at it from in general. Yeah, yeah, but a lot of them said no. A lot of them said they would not tell on the the, the person that's molesting a kid or whatever. But like that's crazy though, to me. I, I I can't believe you would not snitch on that. <laughs> that's just yeah. even if somebody's getting molested. Come on, man. That's yeah. that's got to be a line to snitching, man. That's just that's just I messed up. Monty, I'm like this, bro. Like if me and you commit a crime, and one of us get in trouble, you shouldn't snitch on me. I shouldn't snitch on you. That's kind of how I look at it. Like if we're hitting a lick. If we're going into something and you get caught, but I don't get caught, don't snitch on me. That's that's generally how I look at it because we're doing a street thing and we both agreed before we did the crime that we wouldn't rat each other out. And then you rat me out, then uh, there's going to be like problems, just, in, just generally speaking. However, if you're outside of that, you're not doing, if you're not committing any crimes and you're a civilian, you pay taxes and stuff like that, I think it's more than reasonable to like, tell the police on, on serious crimes, right? Whether it's your yeah. your mom dying and you know who did it or, or a kid being molested. Because like, look, bro, I can't, yeah, I can't stand by. Yeah. I can't stand by if I know that a kid, like a six-year-old is getting like molested, like like sodomized and crazy stuff like that. Sorry for the imagery, guys, but like- Even, just, it doesn't even have to go that far, man. Even if it's uh, happening, not, not, that, not that brutal. Mm-hmm. You know? Like kids, or if you're like torturing a fucking puppy, now nah, I'm uh, snitching on your ass. Keep going to jail, bro. <laughs> yeah, bro. Uh, I can't. Uh, that's man. I, I I would feel horrible if I sat back and did nothing, right? But like, do you yeah. want to risk your freedom, fight, fight, fighting that person? Um, but I get it though, man. Uh, I know obviously. I feel like if you're on the front of the world stage and you you're getting fucking interviewed by Vlad, uh, who 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 tends to cause you know just trouble and say if you answer, yeah, I would snitch on. Uh, you know, snitch on, like if he tests your, like you know, just ability to if you're gonna snitch or not, and somebody might look at it who come from the same streets as you, they'd be like, oh, he's not reliable, you know, and you know something happens. Yeah, yeah, your character. Yeah, it's like it's like they're scared to say no. Your character. I mean, they're scared to say yes. They're scared to say, yeah, I will snitch. Yeah, your it's character like, will be caught. Like your character will. It's be like a toxic. Question. It's like a toxic code that the street the streets have, you know. Mm. Mm. yeah it's a like i can get it and and police follow the no snitching code because they they won't snitch on each other the blue exactly you know the blue that's that's even more fucked up yeah that's that's more fucked up like you you put pressure and encourage 
suspects to snitch, but you see your, you know, somebody on your force doing something horrible, and 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 that's that's wild, bro. Like I remember, um, there was this one case, and this dude got like two hundred plus years. He was raping low uh, income black black women primarily. A lot of them were like addicted to drugs, and he felt like, oh, I'm a cop. It's my word against theirs. So he was system like he was raping a lot of women. Like he'll he'll uh, pretend to arrest them and then drive to a secluded location and rape them, and uh, this this went on for like a long period of time. I don't know the exact period of time, but uh, I'm, it's hard for me to imagine, bro. If like they didn't, if, if some people on the force didn't suspect some shit like that, like I, I often wonder that. But yeah, dog, like um, the no snitching yeah. thing, bro. Like again, I get the code, I understand the code, but they're. There, I get what you're saying, Monty. There is a level of toxicity to it as well. It's it's yeah. not it's not it's not necessarily uh, healthy for for communities, right? Because let's say there's a killer on the loose that's killing 14, 13 year olds, firing straight bullets that killed uh, a four year old girl. I get the street justice thing is like you want to find that person and and, and kill them, or uh, well, the option would be to tell the police and get them off the streets because uh, all the police a lot of times need is a witness. But a lot of times the witnesses are also, Monty, we also got to talk about witnesses are often intimidated too, um, killed for cooperating or intimidated or whatever. Uh, but I understand though, if we're in a gang and we're doing shit, you want to have trust among among your brotherhood. Monty, a lot of these guys don't have families. So they they they, they associate with these gangs for a sense of, uh, of, of, of family, a sense of strong belonging you want to belong or whatever so i could understand trust being the number one thing like yo don't snitch on me if i do this we're supposed to be family we're supposed to be a brother me and you didn't have fathers or whatever so like let's let's be there for each other let's let's that's a good movie you know just a cause and effect like just a this overall plot like would you would you do this to somebody that you know but you know they're doing something wrong yeah and you're like in a dilemma of what to do Here's the, here's the thing. I believe that because uh, a lot of these street niggas, bro, they, I mean, you watch the first 48, <laughs> they snitch pretty quickly. A lot of yeah. them do. I think like seven Also, hours, that's like the plot of Training Day pretty much. You know, one of the best movies ever made with Training Denzel Day, Washington. Awesome movie. Shout out, shout out Denzel Washington, one of the greatest actors of all time. But um, um, yeah, you're right, Monty. But like I was about to say, like I think 7.5 out of 10 people will snitch. They will not face that time. If if you offer somebody, hey, you get 35 years if you don't snitch. But if you snitch, we'll give you know we'll work with you. Maybe give you seven or eight years. A lot of people will take that seven to eight years because they can't imagine being in prison for 30 plus years. They might be fucking 30 years old themselves, and they might be scared of the fact that oh damn, that means I'll get out when I'm like 60, 60 or 67. Um, so a lot of people would surrender under that pressure even if you're a hardened street killer yeah i can i can't be mad for somebody you know breaking breaking at that point or just you know snitching at that point but i also respect if you're if you're like stand by your ground you know yeah see i i respect the principles of it all that's all that's that's all i'm saying um now one thing that pissed me off though is uh i don't know if i should say this um i guess i ain't got to say say no names or whatever but let's just say that, that that somebody committed a somebody did something to my uh to a neighbor of mine and the police was on my ass and if my nephews weren't there to to tell the cops that I had nothing to do with it they would have took me out they would have took me downtown and I might have faced faced those charges but basically 
they were like, we know you did it. We know you know who, who did what to your next door neighbor. And I'm like, no, bro, I don't. But my, yeah. when I found out, like, what happened, like, I was pissed at the person that did that because, like, I was blindsided. And I ultimately, I, I didn't tell. I didn't tell the cops, hey, I know who did it. But I was angry, like, damn, bro, why did you do that, do that to my neighbors? They were cool. They were cool. Oh, th- this is something that actually happened? Yeah, yeah, yeah. At, at some point in my life, at some point in my life, on the day I was moving out, some crazy shit happened. And the cops on the day me. that you're leaving, man, that's even worse. Like, yo, I could could have been out this bitch, you know. Now I'm caught yeah, up in bro. this situation. Yeah, but putting it out there, guys, I didn't snitch. And like, like I said, I said at some point in my life, like it, it is what it is. But um, yeah, man, uh, the code the code is very complicated. But just understand that if you're gonna criticize uh, people in the streets for not snitching, you also got to criticize police because police should be held to a higher standard since they take an oath to protect and serve all of us. Um, and I would argue, like, I don't, Monty, like, let's say you don't do heinous crimes as a cop, but you know somebody on the force that do it, but you're, you're, you to the oath to protect and serve. But if, if you're protecting and serve and your blue brother took that same oath, but he's out here, like, you know, placing, uh, 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 putting false evidence on people or raping people, uh, and you don't do anything about that, Monty? How, yeah. Are you still a good cop at that point? exactly you're you know not, what i mean like much. that's what i think about <laughs> like it's like you know, the you know it's like how they say if you're just watching you know the bully pretty much pretty much uh just ram through all these people you know just the bully being a bully and you just stand by and watch yeah are you even uh are you worse than the bully itself you know yeah it's yeah. like the that's like the question mm-hmm. that's hard to that's hard to do man but you know yeah it's, it's tough it's tough out here but like, well, Hey man, I, I say snitch away, man. Snitch, <laughs> it's on everything. Now nah, I'm, I'm just, I'm just kidding. But uh, okay. So reading the Vlad TV thing. So just, just keep it hundred, guys. Like Vlad has always been looked at as like, like Joe Budden doesn't like him. Charlemagne the God used to go to Vlad TV a lot, but then he stopped and he went on Joe Budden and basically said he he stopped going. Charlemagne said he stopped going to Vlad TV because of uh just his tendency to report negative things and and probably tried to get Charlemagne. To, talk about nothing but negative things. And Charlemagne was, you know, at another point in his life, another chapter where he wanted to focus on positive stuff, probably like mental health stuff, stuff like that. Um, it's been a while since I've seen that episode, but just know that Charlemagne and Vlad TV, they have a lot of classic YouTube episodes. Uh, yeah. And for a lot hey, of man, he's stuff. married. He can't make no jokes no more because, you know, he, he used to be wild if he saw Bro. like a compilation of all the shit he, he has said on a, on a live show. Bro, on Vlad TV, I'll never forget Charlemagne. Like, he's like, bro, I'm not saying I like white women better than our black, black, black women. And he calls them a lot of, he, he used to call them white Nubian queens. You know, Nubian is black. But he used to say, man, stick, he said, seeing my black dick go into like a white woman, like he, he just really broke it down on what that psychologically does to him. And that's a <laughs> wild statement, bro. That's a wild statement. Of course, he wouldn't do that. You know, he's married now, or whatever, but. He used to say a lot of politically incorrect shit on Vlad TV, but he stopped. But with that being said, guys, Vlad TV has the repu- reputation of trying to get like uh, uh, just criminal details out of out of um, rappers and stuff. And there's always been long it's, it's been long speculated that Vlad may have gotten some artists in trouble. Um, now, a lot of times it was speculation. So if a rapper went on Vlad and got arrested, it never really came out that Vlad was responsible for that. And Vlad always said, I'm not responsible for that. And I, I'm not forcing them to say it. Even if even if my video was pulled up, 
I'm not forcing them to say it, but this article right here gives a lot more credence to that speculation that Vlad could be getting people in trouble. It says Casanova's Vlad TV interviews are blamed for the FBI indictment. Twitter demands boycott. So Vlad TV founder Vladimir, better known as DJ Vlad, has been accused of being a police informant on numerous occasions. People familiar with this platform are sometimes suspicious of not only his interrogative interview style, but also the specific questions he asks about the subject's criminal activity. On, on December 8th, Vlad's name started getting dragged through the dirt on Twitter after it was suggested his past interviews with Casanova are partly to blame for the New York rapper's recent FBI indictment. Consequently, Twitter wants Vlad canceled immediately. Fans are convinced Vlad is responsible for Casanova's legal plight because of a particular tweet that was fired off on Monday night, December 7th. The post featured a YouTube video from Hip Hop Media Uncensored claiming the FBI admitted to pulling information from Vlad T Vlad's interviews uh, in the clip, the man speaking says the feds have been watching Casanova since 2010, meaning they would have uh, had plenty of time to dig into Casanova's media appearances. Um, the information used in the YouTube video comes from the initial indictment that was unsealed in White Plains Federal Court on Tuesday. 18 untouchable Gorilla Stone Nation gang members, including Casanova, stand accused of crimes ranging from murder to assault uh, to narcotics trafficking. So, yeah, Monty, basically... There was uh, some documents in this YouTube video I saw that said uh, the FBI said they got some information from a particular interview video. I, I don't think they mentioned Vlad by name, but there was a lot of like context clues that led you to believe that, oh, okay, the FBI looked at that interview. And yeah. So people want Vlad canceled. But Monty, it is something to be said that like, maybe we should also hold artists accountable. Like people say that we should hold artists accountable for going on Vlad because there have been people that it's, go on. It's a meme at that point. You know, you ever seen the Key and Peele sketch where, where, you know, the rapper pretty much snitches, snitches on himself pretty much. Mm, I don't know if I've seen that sketch. Yeah, he's like, you know, just, you know, just like what uh, TK did with the race, pretty much, just pretty much saying it out outright that he did this shit on a song or like on an interview and yeah. you know one question he they pretend they didn't say it but the the it's on public you know it's like the evidence is public yeah um though they failed uh boosie was on trial like he was on death row bro and uh but somebody's crazy man death row coming back from death row that's yeah and they tried to um they tried to uh Pull, pull his lyrics up in court. Boosie, they tried to pull Boosie's lyrics up in court. However, somebody out of the work, woodworks came and said that they were responsible for killing who they're accusing Boosie of killing. So that's how he got off. But um, yeah, man, Lil Boosie was on death freaking row. Uh, so it, it's a blessing for him to be out here living life and, you know, getting checked by Mike Tyson, as they say. Um, hey, you would rather get checked. I don't know. I don't know which is worse, getting checked by Mike Tyson or being, or, on, you know, death being on death row. <laughs> I, I, I'll take my chances with Mike. I, I would take my chances with Mike, but that's a, yeah, that's a crazy. Um, but yeah, Bob, Bobby Smurder's lyrics, like on Hot Nigga, like that was uh, a hot conversation because on the Hot Nigga record, uh, Bobby Smurder says, and truly on some hot, uh, and truly on some hot nigga, like I talked to Shiesty when I shot niggas, uh, and we keep them nine millies on my block nigga. And Monty keep it on him. He didn't drop niggas. 
and Trigger, he be wilding. He's some hot nigga. Uh, Tone's known to get busy with them. Gla- so he's naming niggas that he personally knows that keeps guns on him. <laughs> and uh, some people said, bro, like you're, you're just snitching on yourself at that point. Um, and I like Bobby Smurder, bro. And sometimes it's so compelling when you're hearing real street stories. Uh, Chicago inspired a lot of that. Because, Monty, I'm not going to lie, bro. And we're going to get to G Herbo. But I'm not going to lie, bro. The, the drill scene, like, simultaneously, it was, it was more wrong. Because you know, like, oh, shit. Like, you know who they're dissing. You know the environment that they come from. And so before that, it was like Lil Wayne, right? And Lil Wayne had a million metaphors on how he can kill you, kill your family, have sex with your girlfriend. But at the end of the day, it wasn't like he was... Means not, he was not doing any of that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Whereas mm-hmm. Chief Keith, if he's saying I'm smoking Tuka and I'm shooting this, shooting that, like a lot of these rappers ended up dead. A lot of people in his entourage, yeah. a lot of people in their entourage. So so what I'm trying yeah, to Yeah, but wouldn't you wouldn't you rather have have it be that way where you know it's not real? Pretty much just like Lil Wayne. Yeah, it's just you know, it's just made up. I feel like yeah. you know, that's that's pretty much hip hop, just just the over exaggeration is part of it, but Seeing actual people die from it, you know, all the all the shootings, all the you know, people getting charged and all that. Yeah, that's not fun, man. That's that, you know. That's sad. That's yeah, just you're right. That's that's not how 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 to live life. I, I agree with that. And we gotta remember hip hop music is supposed to, it's it's an entertainment medium. Of course we want our artists to actually come from a background if they're gonna be rapping about such things, but yeah, we shouldn't hold them to the standard like uh, if they wanna make a song about, I don't know, murder or something. Uh the song can be really good without them actually murdering somebody, um, you know, but they can just come from the environment where murders happen. You know what I mean? Like Kendrick Lamar or Nas, they come from the streets, but we don't know. We, we don't think they've actually caught a body or anything like that, but I don't think that takes away their creative license to be able to rap about such things. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. I respect that. Cause you know, they, they were in it, but they did not participate and let it take over from what, what they have been doing. Now, now look at them. You know, they're Nas, is Nas and Jay Z. They're they're pretty much uh, top of the world. You know, millionaires, billionaires, pretty much. So yeah, man. Um, when it comes to when it comes to G Herbo's situation, G Herbo was charged in a fraud scheme for using stolen IDs to buy designer dogs, private jets, and more. Uh, on Thursday, the Department of Justice for the United States Attorney for the District of Massachusetts released a statement, which was obtained by Double XL indicating that G. Herbo self-surrendered himself in the, in the Central District of Columbia. The defendants listed in the case, including Herbo, are to appear in court in Springfield, Massachusetts on December 7th, which was yesterday. Um, G. Herbo has been charged with conspiracy to commit wire fraud, two counts of aggravated identity theft, and one count of forfeiture. His aggravated identity theft charges provide a mandatory two years in prison consecutive to any other sentence imposed. Uh, G Herbo is the latest rapper to face legal trouble this week. Um, yeah, and it says in federal and federal documents that were sealed uh, back in September, but were made public today. The Chicago rhymer has been accused of using fraudulent identification to charge more than one million worth of. Wait, whoa. Okay, so G Herbo has been accused of using fraudulent identification to charge more than $1 million worth of trips on private jets, limousine rides, exotic car rentals, a vacation at a villa in Jamaica, and the purchase of two designer puppies in Michigan in 2017. Bati, you give it up. Dog, here's the thing. We talked about this. The FBI will wait a long time before they actually arrest you because this shit, 
<laughs> yeah, man. I definitely know what they're doing. They 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 knew he was doing this shit, but they wanted they wanted to see. Are you gonna keep going, man? Because uh, you know it's gonna pile up on you. So now they have all the evidence that they need. Plus, you can't get out of it. Yeah, now, bro. Like, it <laughs> says, uh, they caught you in the act, hundred percent. Oh yeah, they, they encourage you to um, keep the going. The fourteen count you know? indictment <laughs> also reportedly includes Antonio T. Glow Strong a music promoter and manager G Herbo notes. According to court documents, damn, his manager too. According to court documents obtained by XXL this evening, Strong participated in the use of fake email addresses from May 2016 and September 2020 to elicit account information and make unauthorized payments for private chef and private security guard services, private chartered yacht, private chartered yachts, private jets, commercial airline fraud, and hotel fraud. The federal filing also named Southside Chicago rapper Joseph Joe Rodeo Williams and alleged co-conspirators uh, Stephen Hayes, DeMario, and Terrence Bender. All three men are from Chicago as well. In addition to using fraudulent information to, va- to vacate at a rental property in Jamaica, the defendants reportedly booked trips to Sunny Isles, Fl- Florida, uh, Miami, Texas. Wait, hold on. Reportedly booked trips to Sunny Isles, uh miami texas new york new jersey and california they also allegedly rented luxury vehicles such as the bentley uh cgtc and maybach uh s600 the indictment is reportedly centered around the sto- the use of stolen credit card information and personal identities that were obtained from the dark web or other unnamed sources the defendants would proceed to text or use social media to exchange the stolen information that according so the charges were referred to in code as cards, moves, and joints. Um, bro, this see it's mind blowing to me how how do you get how, how do you fall into these type of schemes, man? How do you get in trouble in these type of situations? You're like a top one of the top you know hip hop artists right now, and uh, <laughs> you fall into yeah, this trap, well, man. It's it's just it's just mind blowing to me, man. You know, every episode I hear all these, you know, uh, one of these artists getting getting in trouble some, you know, some dumb way. And it's like, how hard it is, how hard it is not, you know, not to be caught up in these situations. It's just, you know, it's just crazy to me. Yeah. And at first I was, at first I was, at first I was going to say, yeah, the pandemic is hard. Niggas is doing crazy shit through the pandemic. But they're saying this shit happened in 2016 or 2017. Uh that's the crazy thing, right? And Gerbo was a yeah. popular rapper back then. He's even bigger now. You know, he put out that one single, PTSD, with a chance to rapper, uh, uh, Lil Uzi Vert, and uh, <laughs> Juice World. I love that record. That did that record did numbers. But um, I don't know, Monty. Like Judge Doe said in his ruling, that Strong, his his manager, was alleged to be the ringleader. He he was the ringleader of a one point five million dollar fraud. See, it's uh, it's the, another factor we keep going back to is the people around you, all the bad actors. Yes, yes, because I can't see G Herbo was already popping, but why would his manager be doing this, right? Because managers they get paid a pretty, they can be paid a pretty penny as well. Uh, now maybe not enough to where he could live the lifestyle that he may want to live because they're saying that he got private jets, designer puppies. Monty, you know what designer puppies are, bro? Oh, those are the ones that rich white women just carry on their back backpacks, you yeah. know, in their purses. Tens of thousands of dollars, $100,000 dogs, like, um, damn, bro. See, that, he's not even using the money for something, you know, something better, something good. He's just 
It's just like a Robin Hood thing where you give to the poor or something. Not even that. Just yeah, obviously. So you know, use it to fund something or you know do something good, or even even spend it on music. I guess something that's gonna benefit you. But you know, that's like you. It's like the typical. What would you spend on if you 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 got if you're like a kid and got got it to spend on all the crazy shit. Yeah, private jets, chartered yachts, and stuff like that. Um, here's the thing, man. I want to say I, I hope that this isn't, you know, a thing, uh, um, something that's. I hope that they're innocent, but the FBI and the state are two different things. And as we said, the FBI will sit and wait until evidence is enough, and then they'll strike and say, "Hey, we got them." And again, it's only two percent of cases that that are 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 won by people that go to trial. Um, now, this might be a case of, as we're, as you mentioned, Monty, just uh, somebody close to G Herbo doing this. I hope G Herbo may have not have known about this, you know, because if he's implicated in somehow helping him, then that's going to be a bad look. And he's, he's facing up to two years or more, yeah. uh, two years mandatory or more. Yeah. I feel like he, he did not, you know, do this himself. Cause it just sounds, if he actually did, it just sounds unbelievable, unbelievable or just wow to me. Like you already have a career, music career going on. I don't see you, you know, fucking using somebody stolen credit cards or just buying all these lavish. Yeah. Off the dark yeah. web, off the dark it web. It sounds like somebody, maybe his, you know, uh, you know, those people, you know, rappers usually hang around with or surround themselves with, or somebody got a hold of him somehow, you know, just use this under his yeah. name somehow, you know, just, you know, somebody who wants to experience what living, living a rich life looks like. Cause it seems like, you know, G Herbo, he probably, probably already lived that lifestyle kind of. And it seems like somebody, yeah. you know, who's, who's trying to experience it for themselves. Mm-hmm. So I don't really think he yeah, really, man. Did this himself that's what i believe so I'm far but you know we'll see what uh, what the what the real news comes out when everything everything gets settled and everything yeah i just want to let you guys know i really like g herbo if you ever looked at any of his uh interviews you'll find that like yeah he comes from the streets but he's a he's a very mature dude he has a, a good head on his shoulders like um and he leans towards the positive he leans towards uh you know, uh, getting people out of the hood or whatever. And that might sound like a cliche street story or whatever, but like, I don't know. I would just encourage you guys to watch any of his more recent interviews, not the old Vlad TV ones, but any of his more recent interviews or, or he put out a message after King Von died, like a, a message that was very important for the streets in regards to like the people you have around you, yada, yada, yada. It was well said. He, he articulated himself very well. And um, yeah, man, I like him. So when this charge came out, it, it, it fucked with me, bro. It fucked with me because he's one of my favorites from Chicago. He's a good artist. Um, and he raps about, you know, his single PTSD. He talks about having PTSD, uh, Monty, because he was like getting shot at every day after school. Imagine you like walking home from school and you got to worry about getting shot at and shit. So um yeah. Yeah, man. Like I like I say, man. Even even if they sound good on the outside, from what you have seen so far, man, you cannot hero worship, man. It's it's just it's just gonna fail you, man. It's just gonna disappoint you. And if there was ever an argument against hero worship, it's gonna be within this episode. Uh, but before we get in that, let's talk about uh, Meek Mill, Monty. Um, what's going on with Meek Mill, G? McMillie is going to be the Chronicles because this is just not one thing that okay. he's been in the headlines for. This is like two news stories 
So the first one is Philly rapper Poundside Pop. He comes out and says that Make Meal lowballed him for a record record deal Ooh. that that's only ten k dollars. So that's that's pretty crazy. Hell yeah, man. bro. That's 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 Hell super yeah, man. low. Um, yeah. So I'm 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 reading this article that you sent me, Monty, and it says uh uh he said. I ain't know Meek until I had that big record. So Pop, Poundside Pop guys, if you don't know, they have he has a big record called uh, OSS. Uh, On some shit is what it stands for. Has about uh, two million views, um, and he the rapper proceeds on to describe several encounters with Meek, including a stop during the Legendary Nights tour when he called when he was called on stage, and again at NBA player Dion Walters' birthday party. Eventually, the pair officially met while Poundside Pop was staying in Los Angeles. Uh, at which time he alleges Meek tried to sign him. So he said, uh, so Poundside Pop said, you know, you got to come correct when you're trying to sign somebody. So that didn't work out right. He said, basically, I'm out in LA. This is when I'm out in LA. I get with Meek because he's out in LA as well. So we're running around a little bit. And then they like, hey, so we want to sign you, basically. So I'm like, all right, I'll sign with you, nigga, for sure. But when the deal come, it's for $10,000. A $10,000 a $10,000 deal, I'm like, oh, what the fuck? fuck am I supposed to do with this? I'm out in LA. Uh, I'm out in LA. Shit is high as shit. The cost of living is expensive out here. So basically I tell them, yo, bro, this ain't enough. I'm fucking with you, but I ain't feeling this. So they send another one back for $20,000. I said, nah, I can't do nothing with $20,000 either. After taxes, it's damn near like $10,000. So that's how the deal really ain't work out because I ain't really fucking with a deal after that. It wasn't enough for me. I can't take care of my folks with that. I can't take care of myself with that. People spend that on the outfit. People I know, to be honest. And so, yeah. And he goes yeah. on to say he's cool with Meek Mill, but twenty thousand uh, dollars. I think. Not a- I think the you know he's probably the uh, one of the few people who has come out and said it. But I, I think a lot of artists pretty much have gotten the same type of deal offer, like ten k, twenty k, because this is an advance, you know. Uh, this like a, yeah, this like something you get, but unless you're like really popping and really starting to blow up, maybe like Juice yeah. World was blowing up, like you know before he got signed, yeah, they would probably offer you probably like uh anything, right, anything right. less than hundred k would be an insult pretty much, but still hundred k over here is still you cannot live on that on an advance, especially like pound, uh, you know Poundside Pop, you know he's. He's probably, you know, he's he's just, uh, you know, yeah. just started with the scene and, you know, just started popping, and you know, it's it's hard. He's not, he's probably not making much money right now, and you know, at 10k, yeah. you can't really live off that. So, you know, also if you get signed, they they pretty much take all your streaming. You know, if you get signed, all they pretty much. Uh, take probably like 90%, 80% of your streaming income. That's what I was going to ask you, Monty. Like, we're going to talk about it later on because I was like, it doesn't make sense that all these rappers are out here scamming if streaming is like paying, like, because they do a lot of numbers on streaming. But if they're signed to a company, a major label that takes all their, yeah. their stream money, then what they're left with is merchandise and uh, uh, touring. But there's no touring in total. So, so I... But, you know, that's what streaming, that's their selling point nowadays. They... All main thing they sell you is like they tell you, you know, you're not you're popping right now, but that stream is the streaming like like that popularity is going to slowly go away and you're going to need us to, you know, keep you on the spotlight and, you know, put put you at even a bigger spotlight. And, you know, mm-hmm. uh, so your streaming numbers stay the same. 
But if you if you do the math, <laughs> you're still losing. It's like still kind of even. You're still losing out on a lot of money to the record label taking most of it. And also they they also sell you on uh, you know the touring. You know they probably give you producers or mm-hmm. you know just people around like managers or people to handle right. media and stuff. You know give give you promotion. And you know they also take a pay cut. So yeah, it's man. like I was pretty I was insane. gonna say. I could see $10,000 if he's able to own all his streaming rights and maybe uh, all of his publishing. But then again, what would Meek Mill be signing for if he's giving them all that, right? So, um, but we don't know necessarily the details of the contract, but I will say it's a good sign that I'm, I like hearing stories like this. Like, cause I'm, I'm pretty sure Poundside Pop being from Philly was like excited that Meek Mill liked him. Meek Mill is one of the biggest mm-hmm. rappers, if not the most famous rapper from Philadelphia right yeah. now. So to have one of your, you know, one of the biggest artists in your city say, yo, I want to sign you. And then you have the wherewithal to like not let your respect for him cloud your judgment in signing a a, a deal that could, you know, ruin your financial uh, uh, potential. Um, so see what what I'm thinking actually happened was, you know, Meek probably saw saw him and he was like, I want to sign this kid. And he probably approached his, you know, the official people who run the label said they just he just probably told him. Yo, help him sign, sign him to my record label. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I feel like Meek probably wasn't into, he's not into like the money discussion. It's probably the professional people, like people who work at the label handling all that. And Meek probably just. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm glad you said that. I'm glad you said that. Yeah, because um, like when Wayne signed people from uh, to Young Money, I don't think he was actually uh, intimate with like what he's actually offering them. I think like. Uh, yeah uh, other people like exec other executives manage that right so just because mm-hmm. you're the face of the label doesn't mean you're also simultaneously like uh talking to the lawyers and accountants about what to actually give them that's probably handled by a whole different set of people so i get that i i understand that that's a good point monty so that doesn't mean you guys got to go out and hate meek mill for being a, a cheapskate or like a culture vulture or leor cohen somebody that's trying to take advantage of talent and not like pay them you know that, that that yeah see that's the that's the thing like he, he's the face of the label even if he does not control all aspects of it but you know if something goes wrong he got to take the blame in the public eye yeah bro yep that's true it's like nba teams right like if if uh, if, uh, if lebron james loses the game he'll be hated or or like he'll be criticized greatly but if he wins it you know wins it he'll uh, be celebrated so yeah it comes, it's like a both ways type of thing right so, um, ultimately, yeah, man. Speaking yeah, of the that, gray, though, man. I want to know what you think about this, Monty. Uh, in the second article, Meek Mill was mocked, like dragged for giving twenty dollars to Atlanta kids, telling them to split it, telling them to split it seven ways. So, um, somebody said, or the article says, the rapper is Meek with his meals. <laughs> That's so corny. But um, so it says Philadelphia rapper, more commonly known as Meek Mill, is being dragged online for forking over a measly $20 bill from his Royce Royce to kids selling water bottles on the street of Atlanta. So, guys, I watched this video before we recorded just so I could see what we're dealing with. It was kind of. It was uncomfortable, right? These, so these are young kids selling water. Right. And, and by itself, like, oh, $20 bills for water. Like, wow. Uh, because, Monty, like, what do you think? normally what would somebody get for selling a water bottle on the side of the road what do you think okay a dollar now probably like a dollar it's not just one person yeah it's a bunch of kids it's a bunch of little 
Yeah, it was McMillan, <laughs> and there's a bunch of kids that it's are selling McMillie. the water. And then, um, so 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 in the video, people are saying like, "Yo, bless me, McMill, please bless me." Somebody said, "Listen, my mama big, bro. We outside." we're outside trying to stack big bro so they're calling him big bro they're begging him please like uh big bro you can't bless me at least one time um split it uh sp- hold on and meek mill also says don't put your hand in my car so I'm, I'm playing the video on mute but there's subtitles and one kid tried to reach inside of meek mill's car and meek mill's like bro don't put your fucking hands in my car he didn't say the fucking but he said don't put your hands in my car and that's something um, ridiculous that's like a that's like a movie villain <laughs> Telling like you know, like a rich movie villain telling, uh, like a peasant, "Don't touch my car." <laughs> like somebody's trying to sell him something. <laughs> That's like almost. Yeah, yeah, and, and the, <laughs> yeah, and the, and the last part of the video was uh, he make Bill saying, "Bro, y'all got to split that twenty dollar bill," and then uh, one of the kids was like, "Bro, they're not going to split it. They're not. He's not going to split it with us." And then McMill once again says, "Y'all got to split it." How do you how do you spill uh, how do you split on twenty dollars like, seven ways? Yeah, <laughs> so that's a good question. That's a good. Hold on, twenty dollars is about to bust it. So two point eight dollars each. Uh, yeah. So I guess each of them will get. Two dollars in in eighty cent. If my math is right, guys, I'm I'm atrocious with math. But uh, well, hey, well, does that factor up, Monty? Like, at least at least round it up. You know, at least say uh, at least give like forty seven dollars. Oh yeah, yeah. Know? Man, okay. I, I I can see how I can see why he's getting ridiculed. You know, Meek Mill is one of those stunt stunting rappers. Puts a lot of money on the ground for motivational purposes. He says, you know, he has a lot of chains. Nice house. He's one of the biggest street rappers in the game. So seeing a video of him giving twenty dollars to a, a, a group of young kids that are saying, "Please bless me. Please give me something, big bro," I can see it being a bad look. But here's the thing: the video was recorded from Meek Mill's, like, like he that's that's his side, right? It wasn't like outside looking in. It was inside looking out the car. So Meek Mill put this on Instagram himself, I think. That's interesting. Man, how do you not know what's gonna make you look bad? Because you gotta have some judgment, man. Before, if he, if he, if he's the one that posted it, you know. Yeah, bro. The thirty-three-year-old posted footage of the driver's seat charity work from on his Instagram story, captioning the video of. Man, now now this got me thinking. Imagine if he did this during the Drake Drake beef. Because remember, you know, Drake had that video. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, and just God's plan, I think. He's just yeah, giving yeah. away money to everybody. And yeah. and somebody put those two next to each other, you know, like comparison. And that that, that would make him look terrible in that beef. <laughs> oh, yeah, because Drake gave out, what, like a million dollars? Like he split it up into, yeah. Drake gave a lot of money, bro. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Meek, Meek still gives a lot, man. You know, he does a lot for the community too. But yeah, this, yeah, just this instance. Yeah, this does not make him look that like that good. But I think you know, me, he probably had a good, you know, good intention, but it just didn't come off right. Or yeah. you know, he should have done a lot more to not be, not have this, not not have these articles come out for the for this type of shit. Right, right, right. Yeah, man. Um, I'm glad you. I'm, but I am glad you mentioned that Meek Mill does do a lot for for his community. Um, by the way, he actually got into. There was another article. 
I think I think we touched on it in another episode where uh, there was a lot of heat thrown his way and some. Oh yeah, he wanted to you know keep the not you know settle a lot of the beefs in the street. I guess he wants to give record record deals pretty much. I mean, I guess that kind of comes back to that giving record deals for not being not having commotion in the streets. I guess not beefing with each other. Right, right. And the response was pretty bad for me because there was people saying, "Oh, you can't come to the hood." And then some some people are like, bro, you don't represent Philly. Like you're not you're not official stuff stuff like that. So this is like the third article from Meek Mill in like a month that doesn't reflect well on him. A lot of people were yeah, saying bad that. publicity, bad publicity for Meek so far. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. remember when he was uh, he came back from uh, you know uh, from getting out of prison and he had a he had a boom pretty much for a little while with the albums. Bro, you know, he yeah. he he, he kind of kind of got reconciled from all the Drake shit that he was going through. And I don't know, he's kind of getting back into the... And he even had a hit record. Even had a hit record with Drake. Uh, yeah. It's uh, it's interesting, though. But Meek Mill recently put out some music. I haven't heard it yet, but uh, I'll, probably, I'll probably get to it. I heard one single. It was featuring Lil Durk, actually. And uh, it's called Pain Away. It was pretty good. Um, so I, I might give this project a listen. But uh, moving on to the to the next topic which like i dread talking about but i'm eager like i said earlier this concerns rappers and the COVID, the pandemic era scamming fans scamming rappers up and coming rappers that that are dreaming to like work with these some of these guys so to give context guys i want to read you this thread um and some of you guys that that are rappers that are that, that are rappers or some fans that may follow people that know rappers may have actually participated in this scam. So um, by way of, of DJ Booth uh, EIC at DJ Booth EIC on Twitter, uh, if you guys don't know what DJ Booth is, DJ Booth is a hip hop publication and uh, pretty official. I, I think they're they're they have a lot of journalistic integrity. So when I seen this, I was like, wait, what? So. Um, Back in June, like back in uh, June, uh, on June 29th, 2020, uh, DJ Booth, EIC, let's just say uh, Z, because that's his display name. Z said, um, over the past few months, a company named The Black 365 has been working with notable rap artists, including Fat Joe, who's a legend, right? Benny the Butcher, he's really respected, right? Jadakiss, legend, Dave East, you know, a, a dude that a lot of people respect, and among others, offering indie rappers mixtape placements for between $500 and $650 per slot. Um, these notable rap artists will post on social media asking their followers to tag artists who they should be on the lookout for. Below, you will see Fat Joe asking his fans to tag an artist who, quote, spits crack. Um, armed with these social media handles, the company, The Black 365, then begins DMing artists from the notable rappers' accounts. The messaging is typical motivational bullshit. Are you ready to push your music? Ready to invest in your career? Hard work pays off, man. Let's get you on. So that these are, and, and so he posted screenshots of, uh, of this rapper tweeting or DMing from Jadakiss, Fat Joe, Dave East, and Oh man, you got my dude Cowboy. So guys, if you don't know Cowboy, Cowboy's one of my another one of my favorite newer artists from Chicago. And I I'm just now finding out that he's he's allegedly a part of this. So I'm gonna read you some of uh how how these uh 
accounts will approach you. If you're a hungry artist and somebody tags you, you might, you might get a message like this. Uh, Yo King, what you got going on with music? What's your music? That's Jadakiss uh, on Fat Joe's account. Somebody said, uh, I see you brother. I'm working with the Black 365 to drop a series of tapes. You ready to get to work and push your music? Uh, the dude says for sure. And then Fat Joe says, man, let's get you on. Send me your dopest track, $650 a slot. Let's lock you in. Then we talk bigger moves. You ready? You ready to get on? See, hold on, bro. So this is, imagine your favorite rapper saying, bro, three, you know, just send me $500, $650. Are you ready to get on? I, I, I like your music. Let's push a series of mixtapes. Like, imagine your favorite rapper telling you this and you're getting hyped. Like, wait, only $500, only $650? Just to find out it's going to end up on a mixtape that nobody will even uh, watch or, or listen to. The rapper won't even push it at all. That's the issue with it, uh, Monty. Like, if these aren't mixtapes that are promoted and it's like a collection of, of uh, uh, songs from other hungry artists that again, nobody's really going to listen to. Um, I'm reading, so, I'm reading, they're saying you have to spend $650 to generate 60 plays. <laughs> that, <laughs> that, 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 if that's true, oh my goodness, man. That's like the worst investment in history of investment. Bro, you could take $50 and get like more than 60 plays if, if by promoting it right. Like marketing, even like, even there's some, you know, I don't know if they're they're probably fake, you know, like fake promo channels. Uh, you just uh -huh. pay them two twenty dollars. Uh, you know, they promote you like all, all over social media or you get like spam emails. They they pretty yeah. much uh, tell you like if you pay twenty dollars to them and they'll generate like uh five thousand plays, ten thousand plays and <laughs> that's insane like if you spend 650 on here you yeah. get 60 plays that, that's just that's like the worst investment i've ever seen if that's true yeah man it's it's, it's disappointing bro it's disappointing to see uh some of my artists that i listen to daily cowboy just being involved with this uh cowboy said from his account Let's work, gang. I'm linking with the Black 365 to promote a series of mixtapes called Hard Work Pays Off. Let's get you on it. And then the rapper says, I'm down. And it's, it's Cowboy says, it's 500 a slot. That cool? And then the dude says, bet. You fuck with the beats? And then Cowboy says, I see the grind. You want to lock in? And then somebody said, of course, I need that exposure just to find out that they won't get any real exposure. So I don't know, man. That is just weird to me because, uh, you know, these artists... I would, I would get like, yo, somebody hacked into their account, like say the, this uh, this person that are talking about the Black 365, like you would think, uh, you know, usually this type of stuff goes as like, you know, some person hacked into their account and, you know, trying to scam people. But it seems like, you know, these, uh, these artists are actually working with this person and uh, to make this type of you know, scam. Not, I don't know if it's if you if you call it scam, but mislead a lot of these artists into doing this type of shit. And it's like, damn, man, it's it really. If one of your favorite rappers or artists that you like is doing this, uh, that 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 gotta be a bad look for them. Yeah, and for what? Five hundred dollars, six hundred dollars, or like all together, maybe even five thousand. Like, how much is your reputation worth? Like, yeah, your yeah, name, it's crazy, you know. Like, I just feel like there's better ways to make money, to leverage, I don't know, sell some more merchandise, uh, uh, link with some, link with somebody, you know, like a, like a brand sponsorships, 
start a podcast. There just has to be better ways than just risking your reputation uh, for 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 some money like that. I know yeah, COVID that seems is hard. crazy sure to me, like people. how these artists give are giving this person, you know, like uh, like their like their social media over to this person. That is just insane, insane move because you know they could be anybody. Yeah, yeah. Now, now to clarify, to be fair, so so Z said I have sent numerous messages to the block. 365 on social media, asking them to explain what exactly they're offering these artists in exchange for 500 in placement costs. To date, they have not replied to my inquiry. Now, Z said, technically, the Black business model isn't a total scam because these young artists are paying for mixtape placements. They are receiving mixtape placements. They just hold zero value. Uh, companies like the Black who prey on young artists and are dime a dozen. But the morally bankrupt actions of these notable artist participants who we will assume are aware their name and likeness and social media are being used to solicit money for placements is disappointing. So young artists in summary, if it seems too good to be true, it likely is. Two, do research, everything is online. Three, if your pitch dream fulfillment, walk away. Four, always ask for a contract, always. Five, don't use Cash App, use Zelle. Six, mixtapes on SoundCloud, they're dead. They're relevant. Yeah, um, mixtapes and SoundCloud, they <laughs> They're not popping in 2020 anymore. Yep. It says uh, a new reputable artist has joined the tag and artist family of rappers. Trouble. Uh, same solicitation, same template DM outreach as every other rapper. Nearly 12,000 replies in a week plus. The circus continues. 12,000. So I guess there's a lot of monetary benefit. Hey, it, it's working. You know, that, that's, why, that's why these artists signed out probably, you know knowing even knowing if, if it's going to be bad for them i don't know i'll say this too bro fat joe um has a history like he he gave this speech this very motivational speech uh to to a huge audience but he was he was speaking in support of 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 this uh what do you call it a, a pyramid pyramid scheme marketing agency like you know selling these bullshit products and stuff like that uh, th th this was years ago. I'm like, wait, Fat Joe's really doing this? That was one thing. If Fat Joe really believed in this, let's let's be honest, bro. Maybe maybe he did believe in that. I'd, I'd like to give people benefit of the doubt. But connecting that, like, to the you know him being a spokesperson for a pyramid scheme company to like tagging an artist, you know, to for and offering offering dream fulfillment, acting like they love the music and stuff, when in reality it's probably it's just a block personally reaching out to these artists. I don't think Fat Joe, Davies, or them, I don't think they care about listening to random artists' music like that. But um, I don't know, man. I, and let's, let's say this, bro. Let's say, going with the benefit of the doubt, let's say Benny the Butcher, Davies, Jadakiss, think that they are actually offering value. Let's say, the, let's say if the Black actually pitches them, like, yo, this an artist and it will be paying you at the same time like what if they're tricked into believing there is value in this monty right like because that yeah. could be possible because yeah, i was i was gonna go with that angle because probably a lot of these artists are not too savvy with technology or social media because you know fat joe he you know some of these artists uh, seem like you know they they probably have other people doing all this all this stuff all the business you know they're they're just probably there to you know uh, have their name you know just just put out their name value out there you know they just they're just looking to make money other ways yeah, now that they're, they're retired probably 
And that's my that's the only benefit of the doubt I can I can um I can give. And there's still negligence in that, right? Like yeah. there's still some sort of negligence like negligence in it, but it's not outright moral if they're being tricked, if the if the pitch sounded good. Um so um because I again yeah, I like you the, know, the 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 black guy could be also misleading them, you know, telling them, Oh, this this is how it's gonna be, but you know, uh, nefariously mm-hmm. he's probably doing this in a in a in a very predatory manner so it could be anything so if you guys are artists just 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 duck that never mind that tag like just never mind the whole tag and all this thing if fat joe jada kiss any of these dudes hop into your dms just just duck it it's probably not even them and uh 650 dollars it's it's not going to get you anything man this one of the mess on one of the screenshots is just so sad to me like uh you know one of the one of the younger artists, you know, replied back. He was like, you know, I got so many hits, but I'm low on the funds right now. So, you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to get that back, but you know, he's, he's really, you know, it's like shows the desperation, like, yo, I got, I got so much hot music, but I'm looking for any opportunity. And it's like preying on the people who are desperate to get, you know, they get that placement or, you know, looking for that fame. And it's, it's pretty sad. Yeah, bro. So, so here's the thing, and, and here's some here's some quotes from fans and rappers that are are responding to this in various ways. So, some people said uh, a rapper named Mizo said, "This nigga Benny the Butcher in my DMs trying to scam me for two fifty. Uh, my nigga Benny the Butcher just DM'd me and said he want me on this tape. Twenty twenty is getting fucking crazy." And then there's other people saying Benny the Butcher DM DM me many. Hold on. Benny the Butcher DM me, oh bro, I hope he gets on. I guess he meant my little bro. Somebody else said, I can't believe Benny the Butcher is in my DM network working with me. Is in my DM networking with me. What a blessing. And so, yeah, bro, some artists are excited. Like, just like I predicted, your favorite artist reaching out to you, you're going to be fucking geeked. The fact that Davies DM me today is a blessing. You know, uh, yep, I got a DM from Davies today and Skinny from the Nine last year. Uh, a clown emoji. So some people are hip to it. Other people are. Some people are looking at this as a blessing from God. My see, imagine that. Like, but yeah, it's like your favorite artist replying back to you, but it's not really them. They're like replying in some some predatory manner that you might not even not even be aware of. So, hey man, the music industry, man, to summarize, it's a dirty game, man. It's it's a crazy, crazy world, and it's a crazy industry. So you got to be careful. Be careful, man, because music is supposed creativity, you know, creating is supposed to be a pure thing, but uh, it involves commerce or, or industry often has these type of uh, dark corners, smoke and mirrors and all of that. So, yeah, be careful, guys. Now, um, on to the next topic. Chance the Rapper is being sued by his former manager, Pat Cor- Corcoran, and, and, Cor- and Pat's seeking millions. Um, he claims that he was made a scapegoat for lackluster performance of the big day. Now, if you guys remember Chance the Rapper's last album was mean to death because he made songs about how much he loved his wife. And people were like, yo, that's cool, but that's not what we're listening to you for. Um, and there was a lot of experimentation that wasn't received very well. So, uh, and I'm I'm all for rappers experimenting and stuff like this, but this is why this bothers me though. Because Monty, there was a video detailing the story between Chance the Rapper and Pat and how they came together. 
and how they were basically a match made in in, in rap heaven uh uh from the merchandise with the you know three hat uh to the to the marketing the acid rap and all that like this was one of the better rapper manager uh uh relationships it was so wholesome i can't remember what documentary i saw it on but they were both being interviewed or pat was being interviewed about how he came up with chance the rapper so here we are in 2020 the year that's responsible for a lot of fuckery and there's a lawsuit the same the same manager that i had so much respect for the same manager i was super excited for to you know for chance to have is now suing him because he was made a scapegoat for the big day so I'm a, I'm gonna read a little I'm gonna, I'm gonna read a little bit more into it. So um, Pat is seeking millions in unpaid unpaid commissions and expenses. Pat claims he was fired. He was fired and made a scapegoat for the lackluster performance of Chance's 2019 studio album, The Big Day. His lawsuit filed last week in Cook County names Chance the rapper's various business entities as defendants. Uh, Pat's lawsuit claims he played a vital role in helping grow chance from a local icon to international superstar he dropped out of school to dedicate himself to growing chance's brain oversee merchandising public relations booking touring branding and endorsements and netting 15 percent of the profits for his efforts according to the lawsuit about november 30th even as chance whose real name chancellor bennett was courted by record labels nationwide pat advised chance to stay independent given chances creative control given chance creative control while also retaining sole ownership of his master recordings according to the lawsuit um the partnership that started in 2012 started to go south in february 2019 or 2019 when chance announced he would release his first studio album that july the decision was made without pat's consultation and against his advice the lawsuit alleges studio sessions included quote various hangers on Bank, various hangers on uninterested in the hard work of writing and recording, according to the lawsuit. Um, I don't know why that's relevant, Monty. I don't. Why does the lawsuit include the? I guess people being in the studio that I guess shouldn't have been in there because they're just hanger ons. Um, but this sounds tragic. You know the lawsuits. It's interesting because uh, you know how if you're in a studio and there there's a song recording going on, you're pretty much. You, you pretty much have to be on the credit, like even if you didn't do anything, if you're in the studio and you're part of the process, even even if it's something little as, you know, giving like some input that's not even relevant, you, you are also part of the song credit. So I think that also clues it with that. Like if you're part of, if you're in the studio, you're also part of the process. So I, I guess this also plays into the lawsuit also. Ah, uh, okay. Like his reputation and all that. Uh, Cause it says, the Big Day was a freestyle-driven product of subpar quality that damaged Chance's reputation and led to underwhelming ticket sales for a 30-city global tour, which eventually was canceled, the lawsuit alleges. The lawsuit also claims Taylor Bennett, Chance's brother, also a rapper, called off a months-long merchandising plan just before the album's release. Taylor and Ken Bennett, Chance's father, began pushing Chance's career in a different direction under a different philosophy, despite having little or no experience in the music industry. Um, so long story short, Pat is, according to him, being blamed for the lackluster performance of Chance's latest album. But he's saying not only were there people in the studio that was uninterested in, in, in writing and, and making good music, but Chance is also including his brother and father in on 
uh, career choices. And there's no, I guess, uh, historical justification for including them on these types of decisions. Uh, and also when it came to creating this album, Pat says he was left out of a lot of the decisions in 2019 and he was ultimately fired April, 2020. Um, Monty, what do you make? Man, I have a lot to say on this, man. A lot to say. Yeah, I know that uh, that you told me that, you know, you saw a documentary or just a video with Pat, you know, Karokin, just uh, just when you started talking about this. It was actually a, you know, a long video, almost like a 50 long interview, that complex shot with uh, with Pat that he pretty much, you know, it was just how he talked about how how he helped Chance, the rapper kind of blow up and all the tricks and tips that he gave. Like, you know, he, he gave a lot of tricks and tips to artists that also want to blow up too. He he dropped a lot of gems at the interview, man. It was a it was, it was very informational. And through that interview, also found like a book that uh, you know, that he kind of referenced a book that really helped that really also helped me too. It, it, I think it's like a book uh that's titled How to How to Be Successful in the Music Industry. Because it's a book that details everything, pretty much everything about what you need to do to become a successful artist, like a producer, manager, or whatever. And that's how I got got the got like the tip from that video. And that's crazy that he is involved in this situation, man. Because I think he helped a lot with Chance's come up. Because you know, and it's crazy to see the fall off with Chance, uh, like the you know the downward spiral. Because uh, when he first put out Acid Rap, remember, you, you ever listened to Acid Rap before the first album he put out? Well, it wasn't his first, his first one was 10 Days, but Acid Rap. Like the first big one. Oh, yeah. You yeah. know, the first huge. Yeah, yeah. And that was huge, man. That that kind of put him in the, uh, in the limelight. And everybody was like, yo, you got to listen to Chance. You got to listen to Chance the Rapper. Yeah. He has a big future. He's going to be one of the top artists. Then he linked up with Kanye and everything. He was pretty much... Uh, he was pretty much headed to to a big platform, and he actually did. He was he was appearing in a lot of mainstream places. I think he still does, you know. But I guess that kind of that kind it's it's it kind of carried over from all the all the previous stuff he did, and it's crazy to see how how the how especially with the Big Day album like the downward spiral. Because if you remember that album, like everybody hated it, man. Like not everybody. That's like exaggeration, but. I think most people, it was like, it was just clowned on everywhere, man. All the YouTube reaction channels, yeah. review channels, even Anthony Fantano. I think he gave it a zero or one out of 10 or something. And it was oh, just bad God. publicity. Yeah. And everybody, Twitter was just, uh, you know, Twitter was just making fun of him, you know, making fun of his, uh, how much he loves his wife and all that shit, all the memes and everything. And also he was going to tour. He had a big tour lined up and he, he had to cancel, cancel pretty much. A lot of the touring dates because it wasn't selling well but you know he, he pretty much said oh i had you know it, it was some other excuse he made up but that's crazy like to see the downfall and i guess it, this this news article that the you know he's him being sued that kind of shows like why what's kind of happening because i think his dad being involved has a lot to do with it i feel like that's that's the catalyst to to his to all the shit that he's going through and Seems like Pat, man, he should have stuck with Pat, man. I know family is bond, but sometimes you just got to put people in charge that know what they're doing, man. And also you can't surround yourself with yes, man. 
you gotta have you you gotta have somebody like Pat who who could tell you like, yo, there's not a good direction you're heading in, and that's just crazy to me, man. It's <laughs> hopefully, man. Hopefully, Pat uh, he comes out of this not you know he he doesn't come come out of this being having a lot of trouble with money and stuff because you know especially going against a big name like Chance the Rapper that could be that could be that could be really detrimental to your bank uh, to your you know the money bank. And that could be really, really tough, man. But I don't know, man. I also want to see Chance the Rapper bounce back too, like uh, go back to his former glory. But I don't know, man. It, it's looking a lot of, a lot of, a lot of bad news coming out for Chance the Rapper. Yeah, man. I I agree. Um, this this shocked me, man. This is like, this hit me as if like, as if you ever like I don't know like forty. Imagine forty breaking up with Drake and suing him. Like that's how crazy this is to me. Cause I, uh, I, yeah, it's, oh. it's it's wild. But um, yeah, man. I, I hope he comes out of this. I hope they both come out of this like fairly unscathed. I hope Pat gets what he truly uh, deserves, and I hope um, I don't know, Monty. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds bad. It's like you, you're saying he should deserve what he what he what he deserves, you know, uh, the best of, but uh, yeah, we, we kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm way, saying you know? like, cause acid rap was my favorite chance. That, that's my favorite project from chance. That's what made him one of my favorites. One of my, uh, like top five breath of fresh air type rappers. And Pat oh, yeah. was instrumental in putting that out and, and the marketing and, and everything. And it really hit. And then that, that laid the foundation for the coloring book, which was chances real, like really huge breakout project. And the fact that, I didn't really think so, man. I was kind of disappointed. With I like Acid project. Rap more, but I'm just saying, like, in terms of, like, he performed on Ellen. He performed yeah. on Ellen. Yeah, so I'm talking yeah, about yeah. his mainstream impact. But, yeah, I, I like Acid Rap more. I, yeah, I feel like after that, he kind of started to go, I don't know what happened. Also, he was doing a lot of experimental shit, too, and which was, I guess, cool, but I wasn't really vibing with that. And, I don't know, he was going too experimental, but also on the big day, he kind of went... A little too dumb too. All the, a lot of the tracks just sounded not very, you know, dumbed down. Also, so I don't know. I feel like I don't know what the next direction is for Chance the rapper, but it's gonna be interesting one or whatever he does. You know, the next album, that's like a very anticipated album. Not from like you know how it how it how good it might be, but from a standpoint like yo, what is he gonna do? How is it gonna sound like? You know? Yeah, yeah. I definitely feel that. And not to mention, he incorporated a lot more after acid rap. He incorporated a lot more uh, Christianity into it, like gospel. There's a lot of gospel influence. Yeah. With it. Um, and, you know, that's not for everybody. But uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see. Monty, we'll definitely see. I'm hoping I'm hoping his next album is like a bounce back because he's he has such a unique approach to music. He, he can see pockets, hear pockets that a lot of rappers can't hear. Um, and me as an artist, I pick up on that. So, yeah. Do you think uh, Do you think Pat and Chance might, you know, get together again? Or because you know lawsuits are like the are like the point where you know it's it's made clear that they really hate each other. You know, when lawsuits are involved. Oh yeah, man. A lot of time. But then again, Wayne and Birdman. You know, they I think they somewhat repaired their relationship because Wayne had the Young Money radio show. And Birdman appeared on it. And Birdman asked Wayne, like, yo, I want to do my last album. And I want you to be on my last album. And Wayne was like, yeah, you already know what's up. You know, so, and their their relationship was really, you know, fucked up because of the f- alleged 50, 50 million that Birdman uh, 
took uh, on undeservingly. And um, so maybe I hope so, bro. Because again, bro, that 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 rapper manager relationship was like a top five one, right? Like, and and like you said, it was very informative. When when that what I forgot what video what channel that came out on. But guys, if you don't uh... complex, yeah, complex mm-hmm. did did a very informative video because. You know, you could tell, like, yo, man, this dude knows his shit and what he's talking yeah. about and all the hard work he put in because this is that's why it's so sad to see, man. Like, yo, man, he put, you know, he, he gave up a lot of his, he pretty much sacrificed a lot of his life to help help Chance the Rapper blow up. And now now he was being, you know, made, he, he was the blame. He, he was made to be the blame for his bad album. And that's just sad to yeah, see. Yeah, he dropped out of school. And and if you know how Chance the Rapper celebrated for being an independent artist, well, Pat alleges that he's the one that convinced Chance, or at least advised Chance to stay independent. Like, and that's a big, yeah. you know, mythical story about Chance the Rapper is the fact that he was he had all these uh, mainstream opportunities without signing to a record label. Now people have conspiracies on whether that's true or not. You know, he did do that deal with Apple or whatever, but. Um, I don't know, man. It's it's sad. It's sad to hear. It's sad to hear and, and another example of 2020 just continuing to like um, fuck with hip hop in a negative way. Um, yeah, man. Deadly year. Deadly year. Uh, just all over. Yep. Yep. So, Monty, uh, what's going on with uh, Scotty Pippen, though? Scotty Pippen. OK, so recently he just came out. He already came out and said he's not a big fan of the Last Dance documentary, you know, but uh, recently he just came out and outright pretty much uh, told Michael Jordan that, yo, I was not a fan of that documentary, you know, <laughs> The Last Dance. And he pretty much said, yo, it was pretty much made to look Jordan look like a star more than he, he was. He actually was. And I feel like I feel like he has a point because. I'm not I'm not too big into basketball and all that. And that was because uh, I never lived through Jordan, all the Jordan years, or I never experienced it. And I'm I'm pretty much a noob at basketball. And that documentary, man, I, I love that shit. And it was crazy to see. It was just crazy, to, crazy to just experience that even through a documentary form, uh, even though not actually living through that. And it was pretty crazy, but you could tell that it was kind of exaggerated at some parts, you know, making Jordan look a little bit better than he probably was, right? Or am I just, or am I just just talking out of my ass? Um, no, I, I, I can see how you came, I, I can see how you came away with that. Uh, no, it made Michael Jordan look like a deity, <laughs> if anything. It made him look like a god, and um, yeah. Man, he really did, uh, and I was, I was like instantly. It kind of inspired me, man. It inspired me. me. Too. I was like, damn, this shit. If, if you're, this if you're a creator or have any sort of ambition at all, that documentary will like put a fire under your ass. It will make you want to work hard immediately. It will make you want to whatever your your position is. What it ain't, it don't have to be sports related. You could be a rapper, producer, manager. It just makes you want to be dominant. Because Michael Jordan, seeing that documentary, you just want to dominate, be the number one at your craft. But yeah, it didn't make Scottie Pippen look that great. It made him look like he was he didn't have the heart of a champion. That he quit when the when when it mattered the most. But the fact that Scottie Pippen called Jordan and told him I didn't like that, that's interesting, Monty, because you know, Michael Jordan is one of the more intimidating figures 
ever <laughs> like to ever be like on a celebrity level like he is michael jordan people say like if michael jordan didn't have basketball he might have been a sociopathic uh drug kingpin or something like that's one of the mean jokes or whatever because he's such a he has like a psychopathic obsession with being a winner oh yeah he definitely did he I feel like if he wasn't doing basketball, he would be doing something even deadlier too and whatever he got into because that's like a <laughs> mindset and it's insane. It's in, not everybody can have that mindset, man. You got to be a specific type of person and Jordan was definitely that, man, and he fucking succeeded at that. Definitely. I mean, refer to his Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame speech, you know. A lot of times Hall of Fame speeches are, are shout-outs to the people that help that athlete along their way, whereas Michael Jordan shouted out and remembered like the smallest things that people negatively said about them like a sports column one year i think in the sports sports illustrated magazine where they like uh criticized michael jordan and um he remembered that and i think he brought that up in this hall of fame speech i could be wrong on the actual publication but yeah michael jordan remembers these tiny things uh, uh isaiah thomas says you know you know, it was a competitive series with the Detroit Pistons and the Chicago Bulls. And uh, Michael Jordan hates Isaiah Thomas to this day, it seems. Like, he won't even call it. He won't talk to him at all, even though they had their competitive days, like, 30 years ago. So the fact that Scottie Pippen called Michael Jordan up, like, yo, bro, I'm not feeling this. Like, he said, uh, quote, I don't think it was that accurate in terms of really defining what was accomplished in one of the greatest eras of basketball, but also by the two of the greatest players. And one could even put that aside and say the greatest team of all time. I didn't think those things stood out in the documentary. Uh, that's what Scotty Pippen said in the interview that he told Michael Jordan that he wasn't pleased with the Last Dance documentary and thought it was more about Michael trying to uplift himself and be glorified than the, yeah. the team. And so, uh, and the funny part is, uh, and Jordan actually replied and he said, Hey, you're right, man. That was pretty much it. <laughs> that's what he, that's what he said, man. He knows, he knows, man. He knows that he's playing a game of life and he's fucking good at it. Yeah. Man. Yeah. It's all about the, the, the propaganda, right? He wants to, yeah, it's propaganda at the end of the day. Um, a lot. It's, it's the brand, man. Cause I feel like, I feel like the documentary made him even popular because a lot of people did not get to experience Michael Jordan like that. Cause you know, the, probably the older generation did, but a lot of the younger folks, even me, we never got to, we, we didn't know how good he was or how, how much of a big name he was or, or how much of a deity or type of figure, like a legendary icon figure he was. And the documentary pretty much showed like how, how fucking entertaining he was to watch just from a, like a personality standpoint, from a player standpoint, from every, every standpoint, man. And it made him even a bigger name, bigger brand. And you know, you know about Michael, he knows how to play the game and he knows how to make money, man. He knows how to, how to fucking stay relevant. And he's a genius, man. In a different set, different set of way. He's, I think he's a genius, man. Um, so yeah, that, that that's that's a, a story. Now deviating from, you know, these next two topics, we should deviate is going to deviate from hip hop and pop culture. Well, maybe not pop culture, but uh, it's still in the pop culture, man. Because uh, I feel like I feel like we we love to talk. Everybody loves to talk about all the weird shit on, that goes yeah, on around the world. Conspiracies. So, Monty, what what's what's this about monoliths popping up all over the place? 
<laughs> yeah, man, this this shit is weird. So a friend of me, uh, I was talking with him. He was like, yo, did you hear about all these monoliths just uh, appearing all over the world? I was like, what are you talking about, man? So I looked it up and apparently like these tall, long, like silver uh, monoliths are appearing all over the fucking world, like just random places, like around the deserts or like, you know, forests or some places like that, just places where nobody's around, you know, and apparently some some hiker or like a person who you know visits like these out of nowhere places apparently found the first one you know couple i think last week and since then they've been popping up all over the world and i don't know man it's it's pretty weird and interesting but i feel like what what do you think these are actually from just looking at it just cuz so far i think they found four or five just randomly all around the world I think I don't want to like bust anybody's bubble, but I think this is a, do I want to say a hoax? I don't want to say, say a hoax, but I think somebody's like, somebody's behind it. I don't think it's like aliens. It might be an artist. It could be like a, like a, you know, Monty, how like artists like, like to make points and they might do mysterious things uh to to make a statement of some kind like who's that one artist that would like uh who was very mysterious would never show his face yeah banksy so this could be i I could see this being an artist i know people are jumping to aliens or stuff like that i would love to be alien i would love it to be aliens but i don't think so man i feel like i feel like this is just like a troll job from somebody who uh, or, or maybe the first one was an actual artist, you know, the first one that they found, who probably just randomly put it there. It's like, yo, this is my unique, like, weird abstract art piece. And, you know, you know, art is like, it's also about the show, like, all the mystery part of it, too. You probably just put it there and expect it to people find and, you know, theorize about what the fuck this is. So the first one was just like an original art piece. And since then, all these other ones most likely are like fakes or imitations or people like, yo, let, let me start putting these in my place too and see how people react. Like, you know, all the other ones are pretty, pretty much like troll jobs. That's what uh, I'm thinking. Yeah. Well, and some of these aren't, some of them have been discovered or one of them have been discovered like this year, but we're around in 2015, 2016. So it says we are now based, we know now based on satellite images that the Utah monolith had been placed in the desert sometime between 2015 and 2016, though it was discovered November 2020. It was only by chance that the object was spotted from a helicopter last month as it had gone unnoticed for about four years. Since the first monolith's discovery, similar sculptures have been appearing and sometimes disappearing all over the world, from California to England, Colombia to Romania. But the monoliths are not identical. Some of them are reflective, others are dull, and most are silver, but one was gold, suggesting that they may have been created that they have been created by a series of copycats inspired by the Utah object. Yeah, Monty, I thought about that too. It, it, no, it doesn't have to be one person. That would that would take a lot of energy for one person or like one little like group to go all to all these countries to make the same thing. Um, and they're not identical. So yeah, it's probably it's it's, it's probably uh, people all over the world doing this. I think it's interesting though. I wonder though, what's the point outside of just outside of uh, I don't know, bet, like stimulating the curiosity of of the public. 
Like, what was... Point is getting all these fucking news headlines yeah. just going, you know? Or just, or just adding to the weirdness of 2020, yeah, all the craziness. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, man. I, I wonder if there's any lucrative opportunities with this. Like, what if somebody came out and said, yep, I did it. And then they get, like, a lot of money for creating stuff. Because some of these monoliths look pretty cool. Um, so yeah 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 it's 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 weird but like the one that appeared in the utah desert though in between 2015 2016 like that's four years it it was there for four years before it got even noticed like imagine that and who did that who would build that (laughs) imagine yeah imagine like whoever put it there thinking yo he's just tuning into the news uh, just waiting for it to be found out (laughs) nobody fixed yeah man that's that's weird. That's interesting. But Monty, things are only going to get weirder, weirder, right? Because even though I think the monoliths that are appearing are like done by artists and potentially copycats from different countries after they were inspired by the first one that popped up mysteriously. Um, but the next topic actually has to do allegedly with aliens, right? Like, uh, what's, what, what's, what's this about? Uh, like the aliens were trending on Twitter. And it has something to do with the is uh, former space security chief. Like, what's going on with that, Monty? I don't know, man. I just found out also as uh, as you're reading mm-hmm. it, and it seems like aliens. So this chief, Hey Mashad, claims that aliens are from a galactic federation that have been in contact with the U.S. and Israel for years. That just sounds. That just sounds pretty crazy to me. Like, you know, he's not just saying, yo, aliens exist. He's saying they've been in contact with the U.S. and Israel, the government probably for years. And I don't know, man, that's that's pretty wild claim, yeah. man. I don't know, man. Uh, so we definitely got to read more into it. Yeah. And, and this actually con- this actually kind of contradicts what Obama like. Like, oh, so there was a headline about. Uh, Obama asking officials about the existence of aliens as U.S. president. And uh, he said, uh, hold on, I'm, I'm pulling it up so I don't um, mis- mis- mischaracterize what he said. So it, it says, it turns out President Obama had sought knowledge of aliens and reached out to his officials to find out how much they know about aliens. Did he receive an answer? Yes. Is Obama willing to share the details about extraterrestrial secrets with the rest of us? Unfortunately, no. So <laughs> obviously, you know, Obama, he's not he's not going to yeah, rock the boat. Uh, Obama confirmed the, to Colbert that he asked officials about aliens, but to no avail, as the rest of us will never find out. Um, so a lot of people take that as like, absolutely, yes. Like, oh, well, if it was a no, he would just say no. But um, that's not what was said. And you remember the Pentagon released like footage of like, these occurrences uh, uh, that that was picked up on radars from Air Force uh, pilots. You remember that? Oh yeah, because uh, recently, even in twenty, even that people were saying, "Yo, wh- what more could happen in 2020? Because officially, like the Pentagon released like actual footage, leaked footage of uh, some UFOs, unknown flying objects, just flying over and. They pretty much just released it and say, yeah, these are actual U- UFOs. We don't know what the yeah. fuck these are. And that's pretty crazy to me, man. Uh, you know, usually they're very yeah. secretive. So but- I don't know what changed within the within the mm-hmm. uh, 
the offices of you know the Pentagon, uh, but they they pretty much classified it out for the people. But what I'm thinking is they probably have a lot more, a lot more crazier shit that they they don't want to reveal. Yeah, I was listening to Joe Rogan, and Joe Rogan pondered about that, like them releasing this almost as like a smokescreen, like a a distraction of some sort now yeah. what they're trying to distract us from yeah yeah what they're trying to distract us from i don't know but all i know is that in 2020 there's three headlines that progressively get weirder right so you got the pentagon declassifying uh the ufo video in uh in 2020 and then you got obama asking officials but not telling us what answer he received and now you got the former israeli space security chief saying that aliens exist and been talking to Israel, the Israel government, and the U.S. for years. Hey, by the way, Monty, why those countries? Why specifically Israel and the U.S.? I have no idea. But usually, usually Israel and U.S. are very, they're very friendly usually. So it might have been, I, I don't know. I, I'm just wondering if, if, if the alien is Jewish <laughs> from another fucking... Yeah, um... You know, yeah, man, and and like, I don't know if uh, Israel is a, a theocracy. Uh, I don't know if like the Vatican City is, but hold on, I'm googling: is Israel a secular or religious state? See, secularism is defined as an indifference to rejection or exclusion of religion, and uh, in Israel, this applies to the entirely secular community that identifies with no religion, and the secular community within the Jewish community, which identifies with no... Okay, so it's not technically a theocratic government. All right. Um, but I was wondering, like, how much does that... Like, what do religious people think about this? Like, if, if this is to be real, and you're Jewish, like, I wonder if there's, like, a inner conflict with that. Like, if... Because this dude is saying that they exist. And oh, by the way, Monty, not only did he say they exist and that they've been talking to the U.S. and Israel, but he says they're keeping themselves a secret to prevent hysteria until humanity is ready. So allegedly. Man, I believe him, man. It, you know, it's either he's fucking just out of his mind or he's actually right. And at this point, I don't know, man, 2020, I'm like, <laughs> I believe him. Yeah. Well, well, here's the thing with me, man. I, um, I, I believe aliens exist. I don't believe we're alone in the universe, but I don't necessarily believe that the crop circles and, and, and you know, on farms, on, on farm acres or uh, abduction stories and all that. I don't think that equals up to aliens contacting us. I'm not, I'm not so sure about that. I haven't seen enough evidence. Now the Pentagon video was very, very like, whoa, what the hell is that? If they don't know. By the way, I said uh, Air Force pilots. I meant Navy pilots. So my bad about that, guys. But um, I was just recalling from memory. However, um, yeah, so I do believe aliens exist. I'm very, I'm very, I'm a strong believer in that. But I just don't know if they contacted us. And I certainly, like, this former Israeli space security chief, like, hasn't provided any proof. But maybe he's, like, adhering to the aliens, saying, like, the, the Monty, he's saying that the aliens themselves said y'all are not ready i'm telling you this even though you're human but you guys as a whole are not ready um like why would the alien trust trust them to not tell like i, I don't i don't know bro i don't know there's a lot of weirdness to this story like why why these particular countries num number one number two if they're trying to be a secret to prevent hysteria why would they tell the space security chief 
maybe you know maybe they're they are in association with other countries but i guess just this is really you know this government agent mm-hmm. from israel he's probably the one who who's crazy enough to actually <laughs> reveal yeah. this information yeah they're, they're probably in contact if, if it's fucking true you know yeah. most likely it's not but here's the thing <laughs> and, you know uh, they're probably in contact with other countries and all the other world governments. And here's but, the crazy um, thing, right? Because you would think, like, if you make it to that position as somebody with, like, discipline, somebody that's not just going to pull something out of their ass, and this is what got the alien uh, speculators, I, I don't know, the alien lover community uh, speculating on this being real, because he served as the head of Israel's space security program for nearly 30 years and is a three-time recipient of the Israel Security Award. Explain and explain that Israel and the U.S. have both been dealing with aliens for years. Uh, Man, they go, they're going to have to take away all his security awards because he just revealed everything. He's not being right, secure right? about this shit. A security risk <laughs> at that point, right? And, uh, bro, this article goes on to say, and by aliens, he know, hold on, and this by no means means, this does not mean that he's referring to immigrants. Like, the, the article had to specify he's not talking about aliens as immigrants. He's talking <laughs> about a galactic space federation. This sounds so crazy, bro. But in the context of 2020, like you said, Monty, like anything's possible, I guess. Like this is what I mean. Um, yeah. Now, some of the article says if this is true, this would coincide with U.S. President Donald Trump's creation of the Space Force as the fifth branch of the U.S. Armed Forces, though it is unclear how long this sort of relationship, if any, has been going on between the U.S. and its reported extraterrestrial allies. Oh, so they're allies, apparently. Um, And by the way, the... the, the I believe it, man, because if it was... Uh, you know, I feel like if aliens did exist, they they would they would have uh, not not exist. I mean, if they if they wanted to kill us, man, they would have killed us a long time ago. Yeah. If but, they actually exist, you know, and we we've, uh, came in here's contact. Here's the thing, with Monty. Them. Like when we think of aliens, we think of like Marsh, big-headed Martians that are smart that can probably speak our language and a million others and all that. But who's to say, bro? An alien could literally be a mic a, a a a microscopic insect on another planet. Like, you know, oh yes, yes. Or they could be fucking they can invisible. Be invisible but, you know, I don't know. And it might be arrogant of us to assume that aliens would even give a fuck about us to like even come here or talk to us. Like they might be doing their own thing on on their planet in their galaxy, Monty. Because remember, yeah, we are probably like ants or just uh, dumb animals yeah. to them. Probably, I, they probably watch us through through like you know like probably at a zoo, and we're probably like. Yeah. But what if we? Know, but, they're probably so advanced and it's, we can't but, even But what if not, though, Monty? What if, well, assuming we're not alone in the universe, I would say there could be different sets of aliens. What if there's somewhere along in the universe yeah. a mirror to Earth and they're stuck in the caveman stage of, of evolution? That, that could be, you know, too. Like, like it's like a time-based, uh, yeah. that would be insane, man. Light years that away, just like a, uh, I don't know, man. I don't know, but that's a... Like experiments, like some, like God, like a God person or just somebody that's like a God that's experimenting with all these little sectors of different arts. And we're like just one, one, yeah, one test yeah. subject. And there's like all these other, you know, it's probably testing, experimenting, like what happens to all these different arts over the centuries or fucking decades and years, you know, and what's, the, you know, different lives are at different stages or, 
you know, there might be <laughs> other humans that are so advanced or some other humans that haven't even figured out how to make a fire. <laughs> I don't know. Man. That's like, that's like it interesting is, to think about. It, it, it really is. I just, I don't, I really do think aliens exist, man. I'm just not so sure that they would be so pre- preoccupied with us. And I'm not so sure we have the most like um, humble perspective on, on aliens. Like, cause we really do think, I don't know. We have this natural tendency to think we're the center of the universe and anything in it should be concerned with us. So yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. Whenever you get testy, man, or you get angry, just remember you, it doesn't, it was just such little, uh, you know, life means so little when you actually think of it, but you know, that don't, that doesn't let you, you know, uh, don't let it stop you or be nihilistic or like, oh, this yeah, shit doesn't bro. matter. But, you know, just know to humble yourself, you know, when, when your ego hey, gets too one big. Of these time, one of these episodes, we might have like a philosophy episode, but I really want to get into nihilism and how insidious it can be. Like how, especially if you're, if you're an atheist or you're like a new atheist and you might be thinking of purpose. Why am I here? Nihilism can come in your life and fuck shit up. If you guys don't know, nihilism is like the philosophy that nothing matters at all. Like we're just here and um, the universe is rather uncaring about us being here. But uh, that's, that's on a, that's on another note, mind you. But just remember that I do want to have a segment, maybe even have a guest come on that like is really familiar with nihilism or, or philosophies and a lot of different isms. I think that would be a cool thing to talk about. But uh to begin to wrap it up, though, Monty, um, as as we always do, what have you been watching? Man, this is like a perfect segue to what we just oh. talked about, and I was itching to reveal some details that I uh, that I watched on uh, just recently, because just just yesterday, man, I just finished watching a documentary on UFOs, and so this documentary is called mm. The Phenomenon, and it's like uh, it's pretty much covers goes over like the history of the most notable UFO sightings or actual, you know, intelligence, you know, outside world intelligence sightings. And this was pretty interesting, man. I never knew a lot of the history behind it. So it just goes over since like, since even beginning of time, kind of, or just centuries or decades ago. And it just goes over some of the most notable Notable abductions, not 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 abductions. I mean, just sightings or people who came the closest to, you know, actually seeing something are the most believable ones. And this was pretty interesting, man. It, it was like it was like something, a lot of a lot of information that yeah. I didn't know. And when you're talking about, remember you talked about Obama, not you know, saying he's not gonna reveal anything or that if he if he knows if they exist or not. So this documentary, I found out that. Actually, presidents, uh, they don't have the classification or the authority to know, like, that even they cannot find out, like, what, what really goes on with aliens or just things related to, you know, the space or just outside intelligence. Like, they, they, they're they not going to tell the president what, what's really happened. So it's like, even there's, like, people higher up more than the president that only knows what, what's really going on. So... These are like really secretive. And this was interesting because one of the last segment of the documentary, they they covered like the most believable story that people who came in contact with the actual, you know, like the most believable subject of what, what could have been the truest encounter with like an alien. So apparently 
couple, I think in 1994 or 96, this school in Zimbabwe came across like a spacecraft, like a, a lot of these school children actually. So they were playing outside and they actually came in contact with the actual fucking oh, alien. Oh. <laughs> and so these kids were going over like what they saw. They have interviews of the little kids actually, you know, telling news, uh, news interview people like, yeah, we saw this. And so they described the alien, what it, the alien looked like. And they said, look like, you know, your typical, they actually said it looked like a alien, you know, so a lot of the aliens that we have seen in TV, like big eyes and short and like bigger heads. And honestly, I was like, uh, I don't know if it's true, but from the way these kids described, man, I, you could tell, like, you, you could tell if somebody's lying or not. And these kids seem like, yo, I actually Damn. believe them, man. Okay. And yeah, the alien they, they like came in contact with and they say the alien was actually didn't talk at all. It was like silent, but they, it, I guess they put, he, he put, I don't know, he or she or whatever the fuck they saw. Uh, they, they got, all these kids got thoughts of like technology being bad, like all of a sudden whether they were in contact or just looking at this species or whatever so i guess the alien was trying to warn like yo be careful with technology or some shit like that and uh, i guess telepathically or they're communicating with these kids for some apparent reason and i don't know man i actually do believe them because it seemed like they didn't really have anything to hide or they really seem uh, you know you could tell by the face and they got examined by a lot of these professionals too they actually believe them too like it could be it could be true man and man, I want this to be so true, man. If I, I wish they, they actually saw it like actual fucking aliens, because I'll be down, man. Bring bring all these yeah. fucking aliens here, man. Yeah. I'll, I'll be down to I'll be down to live yeah. live through all this shit. I probably So you should check it out, man. If you're if you're interested to find out, you know, we just talked about some alien shit with the Israeli space yeah. security agent. And this covers a lot, man. It, they interview a lot of government, actual government people who have experience with that and and yeah, they pretty much say, yo, aliens do, they do fucking exist. And, you know, there's a lot of UFOs that we don't know what the fuck they do. And, and they don't really have the, a lot of the higher ups people, they're not gonna, they're not gonna reveal what's really going on behind the scenes. And Damn. it's an interesting documentary. Okay. Yeah, I might check that out. Uh, on my, well, I was gonna say, Monty, a lot of times too, me being somebody that, that goes through sleep paralysis and uh, sometimes lucid dreaming uncontrollably. Um, and I want to talk about that with you, maybe on the next episode, maybe an episode sometime in the near future, because there was a breakthrough that happened uh, in my lucid dream. Something that I did in my dream that, that never happened before, but people always, or that could happen. Man, man, I could, I could also tie aliens with fucking lucid dreaming or sleeping in general. That's another subject. Well, I was just going to say, I wonder like the, the amount of people that report being abducted by aliens. I wonder how much of that is really just sleep paralysis and them, feeling like or see like seeing that because uh, uh it can be very convincing guys I, I don't know if you guys ever lucid dreamed or went through sleep paralysis but sometimes uh uh there's a chemical in your brain that when you're asleep your body your, your body your brain releases the chemicals so you don't act out your dreams but sometimes y- your your mind is still conscious so your body's sleep that chemicals in your body so you can't move but your eyes are open but sometimes it's like a the lucid dream and your room meshes together so you may feel like you see a demon. Some people report seeing an old hag or a troll sitting on their chest. But I'm thinking that also. That shit is scary, man. I, it happened mm-hmm. to me once. 
I think it happened actually after actually after you told me how scary it is. Uh, like you, you used to talk about it a lot, how, how you got sleep paralysis, like a long, like yeah. many times before. So I was like, it can't be that scary. And that shit happened to me. Oh my God, man. That shit is, um, it's uncomfortable. It's scary. Yeah, it's everything. You just can't move. Like people would be surprised at like how much well-being comes from the fact that you can move your arm when you want to. So like just, Imagine not being a, being awake but can't move like at all. Also, your vision is very different. You actually you actually see like a fucking figure, yeah. a black figure, messing with you. It's it's weird, man. It's like you're dreaming and awake yeah. at the same time. And so time. I can imagine a sleep paralysis, lucid dreaming, turn full lucid dream, uh, and people feeling like like they just been abducted by an alien. Like I wonder how many of those incidents actually come from just that from sleep paralysis because some people do like some people don't come off as if they're lying at all some people feel like almost seem depressed that that like damn i know what i experienced but nobody believes me they could yeah 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 actually in the documentary same thing happened with these a lot of kids like they have mental trauma because nobody believes them or they don't really tell anybody what happened to them because they, they're not going to believe them or they're going to be made fun of and yeah, this documentary, they don't really cover any, like, abductions or shit like that, you know. They're they're mostly yeah. not really true. So they actually go over what seems the most believable That's so far, you know. And, like, the evidence that they have so far, actual evidence, like, you know, spacecraft that they, they that might land it somewhere. Also, they cover the Roswell Institute. Ah, uh, the Roswell. A lot of, a lot of yeah. actual, like, evidence-based, you know, yeah. UFO stuff. Well, on my side, Monty. Just real quick, guys. Um, I'm into battle rap. I like battle rappers. They're lyrical gladiators that uh, are incentivized to tear their opponent apart. Some are more personal than others. Some are more disrespectful than others. But for the most part, I like it. And uh, it's been getting more and more critical acclaim and uh, mainstream. Uh, if you guys, uh, I think we talked about this before, but Caffeine, the, the streaming service, raised like over $100 million dollars. And um, they're investing in, in primarily URL, which is owned by Smack and Beasley. URL stands for uh, Ultimate Rap League. But uh, there was a guy that helped start the URL named Norbs, who was recently fired last year. And um, he's being he's suing Smack Beasley and the URL staff for $40 million. Uh, and a lot of these stars that you see in battle rap, he found himself. But there was a documentary called Norbs, The Untold Truth because he was kind of painted as like a bad guy because before he got fired, he got beat up by one of the bigger stars. Actually, Drake's favorite battle rapper, New Jersey Twerk, there's a video of New Jersey Twerk beating up Norbs. Norbs, again, being somebody that helped, allegedly helped start the URL. The New Jersey Twerk beat him up on camera and he allegedly uh, shitted himself. Uh, but he, Twerk did this because Norbs hollered at his baby mother. Um, and so everything went downhill from there, from Norbs, but uh, a guy named Chris Ambias, who's like, he does investigative style journalism. He's not just a regular blogger. Um, he basically made a two hour documentary out of Norbs' account. And, 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 um, yeah, it was very interesting because if Norbs' story is to be believed, Smack and Beasley and, and, and the, the execs at URL basically, um, utilize his talents and then replaced them as soon as they found somebody that was more uh, agreeable to what they demanded. 
because there were some things that Norbs just didn't like. And uh, there was a guy named Chico in the URL that Norbs didn't agree with. And according to Norbs, Chico had been doing things to like phase Norbs out. Like for instance, there would be an event and uh, Norbs, somebody that's supposed to be a partner would have a plus one. Like he would want to bring a friend in. Um, and they had Norbs wait out for like an hour and 30 minutes outside while no, and it was raining while Norbs were seeing a bunch of other people go in with like their wives, their, their cousins and all that. And so Norbs is like, bro, I'm supposed to be a partner and I'm being, I'm being told I need to wait outside. So just, just a lot of interesting stuff. Um, for instance, uh, Norbs said he was responsible for like Floyd Mayweather's gym being a, a, a location where the URL event could take place. And, uh, there's a video of Smack being interviewed and Smack took credit for that. Like, oh, Smack said, legends respect legends and made it seem like Floyd reached out to him. Whereas Norbs is like, bro, I'm the one that set that up. Uh, Floyd didn't know who Smack was. I just knew like a mutual friend between me and Floyd that that helped me help me do it. And Smack took credit for it. So long story short, Monty, it's just a bunch of drama in the uh, battle rap community and just more just just snaky behavior accusations, more capitalistic, opportunistic, uh, uh, nasty slander, slander going on. And uh, yeah, it resulted in a $40 million lawsuit. So uh, for you guys that are in, I wouldn't recommend Norbs the Untold Truth unless you actually like battle rap, watch battle rap, because you'll be lost as to why this is such a big deal. The URL is the UFC of battle rap. Like there's different promoted, there's different leagues, but URL is the biggest in battle rap. So when you're hearing like how one of the alleged partners were phased out and basically told to fuck off and didn't get bought out, didn't get paid, even though all everybody's favorite battle rappers, he discovered uh, for the most part. Yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's a pretty nasty game. It's a, it's just another cautionary tale. And uh, it seems like they were playing the 48 Laws of uh, Power as, as well. You know, if you guys know about that book, 48 Laws of Power, written by Robert Greene, basically details how you can become successful, how you can be dominant in any field. But a lot of it comes at the cost of, of morals and ethics and principles. And uh, yeah, it seemed like a lot of that going on with the URL. Oh, fun fact, URL was also, the term URL was inspired by the UFC uh, because at the end of the day, they're both just promotion companies. A lot of times, uh, Monty, we look at the UFC, like they're a, a league which it does seem like, but they're really just promoters. They just put on fights. They book fights. It isn't yeah. like the NFL or the, the the NBA, but that's how we look at it because they're just so huge. And uh, yeah, so yeah, their their logo also looks like right. The UFC yeah, Norbs was like, bro, I was there when they said, yo, we we want something like the UFC or whatever. And uh, so the UFC, fun fact, inspired the biggest rap promotion on the URL. So. There's that Monty. That's what I've been. I think I think I only know two uh, two, two uh, rap leagues or whatever. I think URL and King of the Dot. I think mm, those two. I don't okay. know. Yeah, those. I think King of the Dot is one. Uh, Drake is involved with that. I don't know. I'm not sure. Yeah, I know. This King is from Dot. Canada. He's, they run he, battles. He's not from involved Canada. in it, but he supported it since it is like a Canadian thing. But he actually was instrumental allegedly in getting url and caffeine to work together so i think drake nowadays more mm. so works with url than he does king of the dot but back in the day he would like show up to like battle rap events and um and yeah so yeah just so yeah he's definitely a fan mm -hmm. you could tell so 
yeah, with that being said, I think that wraps it up. The Great Cave episode, what is this, Monty? Eight or nine? I think we're at nine, ninth episode, oh. man. Almost 10, 10, 10, 10 episodes. Yeah, bro. I think that's 10. I, I was thinking like for the past couple of weeks, like, yo, what, what what should we do on the 10th episode? And it's almost at the end of the year. Um, yeah, that might be an episode where you go over all this shit, you know, yeah. this 2020, <laughs> like a celebration or just memoriam episode of 2020. Or just, yeah, you know, overall yeah. thoughts. Yeah, Monty, so. we got we to gotta talk about that, bro. We, we definitely got to talk about what the 10th episode could be. But um, if you guys have been been listening, I, I appreciate y'all. You know, this is uh, the ninth episode and, uh, you know, we're still getting it together. I'm happy with it. I'm, I love talking about these topics with Monty. And uh, we're only going to get better. We're, we're only going to get better. And uh, Of course, of course. Absolutely. Yep, yep, yep. Also, we're looking to put out um, clips like highlights or, or like clips of our podcast for those that may not have, you know, an hour and 30 to two hours to watch it. Um, we're going to be putting out clips for YouTube and I'm excited about that. And uh, yeah, so stay tuned. Yeah. yeah we're going to have a YouTube soon and a lot of other places. And also if you have any questions or if you want to say anything to us, you could definitely reach us through, through our email the great cave at gmail.com and you could also find find the email in the description uh, on wherever you listen to on spotify or or amazon or wh- wherever you listen to you you'll definitely yep, find yep, the yep. link and on uh instagram uh it's at the great cave tv and by the way when uh the gray spelled like g-r-e-y not g-r-a-y so the great yeah that's that's <laughs> That's always weird to me how there's two spellings of gray and both of them well, are yeah, acceptable. It, right? It's it's it, it is kind of weird. But uh yeah, so if you guys want to reach us or have any questions or any potential topics, we'd love to check it out. And uh with that being said, until next week, please stay safe and uh be smart. One love. Yeah.